Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dan Shepard, and I'm joined by Monster Padman. How does it feel? That didn't take long at all. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It could be better. I'm gonna think you of something work a little, yeah, a little more playful or inventive. Okay. Just putting Monster Padman. I, I didn't. That I could be. That's okay. It was a great start. Okay, we'll just start there. I imagine many folks who listen, many armchairs will go. Well, you've given us the entire Russell Hahn family. That's right. Where's gold? Where's the matriarch? Where's the matriarch who started it all? Mm -hmm. Who's the first one in? Goldie. Here she is. Here she is. Now, spoiler for this episode. What we had thought was that we had cleaned up nice and tidy the whole family. Just to remind oh. everyone. We, I don't want to spoil this. This is so funny. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll just say that we had Kate and Oliver. Kurt and Wyatt. Kurt and Wyatt. Now Goldie, and we thought, great, we've gotten the whole family, mm -hmm. and, and we haven't. Yeah. So there's going to be another interview, <laughs> and it's going to be challenging. It's going to be a very challenging one. Um, of course, Goldie Hawn. I don't need to tell you about her. She's an actor, a producer, Overboard, Death Becomes Her, The First Wives Club, The Christmas Chronicles, which she does with her sweet husband, Bird on a Wire, so many things. And she has an incredible education foundation and a program called Mind Up that she has gotten into. Tons of schools, tons of students have benefited from this. It's a very, very cool emotional asset. Definitely. and But uses like neuroscience to connect yes. your emotions. It's really, really great. It is. And she kind of blew my mind how much she knew about yeah. all that stuff. It was very impressive. Very. It was all all around just a great time. It so was. We saved the best for last, I guess. Legend. Please enjoy Goldie Hawn. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day, and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy, and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, yeah, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all-new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow-roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage, and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell now. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you, uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. He's an Like to drink? Do you want a coffee? A water. Great. There's that. And you have a heating thing. You have a tea. Yes. Uh -huh, Monica's a, a big tea drinker. Oh, uh, good. Okay, so I'll have a tea. Okay, great. What you have a, do you one desire? of these Barker lounger crazy chairs. Yeah. I wouldn't oh, yeah. own one if my life depended on it. But 
They're so comfortable. I know. And does this rock? Oh my god. Oh, you know what? Stay here. I'm gonna go get the five-gallon jug out of the. What? Bus. We, have to, we have to do this now. Don't even we have work. to don't bring in. I, I don't need don't it. Well. I can do water. <laughs> no, no, oh. no, no, no. <laughs> it's really, really falling apart over here. <laughs> A disaster. Oh my god. I was just in Aspen. I just got back yesterday. It was my first time there. Oh really? Yes, I loved it. Didn't you? Yes. It's so charming. It's very charming. Everything has stayed for the most part. Uh-huh. You know, they've got very strict rules, so it yeah. stays that world. When we first moved there, I was in heaven because every other store was a knitting store. Oh, cute. Yeah, it was so provincial. And then suddenly you had Gucci coming in, and then it got very high level. I was wondering that, like, what was the draw for all these fancy people, just because it was, like, a quaint ski town. Quaint. They, they put in Regency. They put in the Ritz. They yeah. put some really nice hotels there. Yeah. And it's extremely charming. But it goes in cycles. It used to be the cocaine group. Oh. Tons of cocaine. Cocaine was everywhere. Oh, wow. That was Kurt's era. I wasn't there for that. I, I wasn't <laughs> there for it. the guns and all that stuff <laughs> in the bar. His stories. Oh, what a time that was, I'm sure. It was great. I'll never forget. You know, we were just together, really. We happened fast. We got a piece of land there. Anything by a river is in a valley. And I looked down there and it was really beautiful. And then I came back. I thought, you know, we're in Colorado. We should have an open view. Yeah. Right? Experiment so team, what were you in the market? That's good. That sounds good? Yeah. Then I came out and I said, you know oh. what? We can't buy this. And so now he goes hunting. And he goes in and oversees this beautiful area where we are now. And the guy said to him, oh, that's for sale. Of course. So we put snowshoes on and went down through that whole place. There wasn't one tree on it. Wow. And I bought half and he bought half. I have my side of the fence and he has that his side. That sounds ideal. I have found all these flavors. We've got organic chamomile. We've got Earl Grey. We have spearmint. We have... You know, chamomile's really good for you. Let's do that. Let's, let's go with chamomile. <laughs> let's be healthy. You know, I read a whole thing about chamomile and I'm oh. thinking, why oh. aren't I drinking more chamomile tea? Sweetheart, you're making my tea. Of course, you're my guest. <laughs> I know. I didn't really. even know we had all these teas, so it was... Uh, you, you've educated me on our reserves. Okay, what do I want after oh, all? Okay, okay, no, 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 no. What do I want? <laughs> oh, boy. This and is so time. good. This is very exciting. It is. It is. <laughs> because you were the last remaining member, Goldie. That's right. I know. Well, Boston, I suppose. Well, I'm the last remaining one, but I was the first one. First Sometimes in and last the out. the first and the last. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Not a bad thing to be the first and not a bad thing to be the last. That's right. I started a text chain today with Oliver, Kate, Wyatt, and oh. Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, why is it your mom's the only one brave enough to come here by herself? <laughs> I know, I love that. <laughs> and Kurt said, she's going there today? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I know, I'm fearless. I do everything alone. I love to be alone. The only thing is, I used to be able to go and have wine, and back in the day when people were smoking, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I used to people watch, and I'd write in my diary. Nobody knew me because I was still learning about me. And it was the best. And I remember I talked to another person. I don't want to talk about that person because sure. they're well-known. But when they became well-known... Morgan Freeman, I'll say it for you. <laughs> Go to Morgan, you know. <laughs> he said the thing when he became successful that he missed the most was driving across the country and seeing and meeting people 
and being in cafes and literally being anonymous. So aloneness ain't so bad. Yeah, you're right. You go from an observer to being observed. Exactly. And that aloneness, your mind becomes alive. And, you know, I used to write a lot when I'd go into like Alice's restaurant in Malibu. Then all of a sudden VHSs came out. But I used to go to Europe. I wasn't recognized because people didn't really know me that well. Not after like shampoo. No. What happened was when the VHS This is after came, laughing, but before... Exactly. Before <laughs> Private Benjamin. So that made it easy for me. I'd go to Italy and sit down in the cafe, you know, and yeah. I'd pretend I was Toulouse, who was one of my favorite best friends. And the same in France. So I'm not complaining. Right. No. Of course. I think it's fair to say everything's a two-sided coin, so there's like a ton of benefits. And then you pay a little price and you lose some stuff and it's all right to mourn what you lost or... Be nostalgic for it. Yeah. I don't think it makes you ungrateful. It just makes me miss it. But I'm not ungrateful. The only thing now is that I have to lock myself in my sauna to get some peace. Are you into a sauna? Because I do it every single night. How often are you doing it? I do it three times a week. 20 minutes? Or half hour. <gasps> wow. Well, I have an infrared sauna. Both of them are very, very good for you. The most important thing with this one, you can stay in longer and I sweat faster. So it goes more sort of cellular just because of the frequency there because it's infrared. And I love that. But my refuge for years, I built saunas in all the houses I've built. And, yeah. you know, we talked about that earlier, how I built so many houses. Yeah, you, you were here for 36 <laughs> seconds, and you were like, okay, that thing's okay. That's nice. You should do the trim black, <laughs> go to Tommy and this. Right. I would have moved that over here. <laughs> I was trying to balance out that. <laughs> I had to say it. You it's know. hillbilly madness over here. Yeah. Would you expect anything less? No, I mean, really. Okay, but you always put saunas in the places you built. I do it for peace. One time I was dating a Swede, and he was really a good guy, but he made me crazy. He said, Goldie, you're just tired. And I said, I'm just tired. I'm just tired of us. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but you play the same number on the piano over and over and over and over. <laughs> and you laugh at the Flintstones. This isn't working for me. <laughs> anyway, I but, deal break. but I really seriously would go to the sauna. It was quiet. It was warm. It was completely alone. And did he pronounce it sauna? Because okay. we say sauna, but I had a girlfriend whose father was Finnish and he said, it's a sauna. We invented it. It's sauna. A sauna? A sauna. <laughs> well, S A U. You could sure. be sauna. Why not? But the thing is, the Swedes are different than we are. Did you know that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So let me tell you about a sauna I went into. Oh, tell me. So my Swedish boyfriend. I need like an era. What year is oh, this? Oh, this is the 70s. Oh, swinging 70s. Yeah, anything's possible. <laughs> Keep your arms so open. It's a great time to be alive. <laughs> it was like, that was so fun. Wow. Hand slap. Leave you. Take care. Love you. Sure. No relationship. That's Fabulous nice. experience. Sure, sure. <laughs> That's the 70s. <laughs> but in the meantime, I did have a boyfriend. So west coast of Sweden started from Norway. He said, now you know where we're going to go, Goldie. And I said, where? He said, to Ingrid Bergman's house. Ooh. And I said, what? He said, yes, because La Clarche. I didn't know if they were still married or not, is in the house and he's invited us there. So they live on a little island called Heart Island. But really quick, you've already worked with Ingrid Bergman. I'd worked with at Ingrid. The, yeah, I'd your first movie. Ingrid. She could have been gone at that point. I'd have to look that up. What I did notice there is when I went into the house, I saw a lot of her. I saw the chest that Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer gave her. Oh. Wow. Yeah. MGM for people who 
Her name was inscribed in it. It was so beautiful. Then he had his girlfriend there. Sometimes Swedish people have girlfriends. Uh, <laughs> that's not what makes them unique, obviously. Yeah, right. And that's not what makes his story work. So I'm, I'm going to go further. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that part. Deeper dive <laughs> and say that I was in a real sauna. So I went into Ingrid and Lars's sauna. And when I say the island was little, it was like a rock. And you put wood in it. So it's a real fire. Yes, yes, it's wood burning. It's wood under. burning. And then you jump in the sea. The plunge. Ooh. And it was amazing. Cold plunge. That yeah. was the uh, original cold plunge. Uh, West Coast. What sea is that? The uh, North Sea or something? Where the North Sea meets the... Yeah. yeah. You become... A... And then we went over to another place on the Wait, island. but really quick, I have a follow-up question. Because this is what we do on the weekends with friends of ours. So we have a cold plunge and a sauna. We're very spoiled. So do our friends. They're very spoiled. So what we do is we do 20 minutes in the sauna, then three-minute cold plunge, then back in the sauna 20 minutes, then three-minute cold plunge, then back three cycles. And I'm telling you, you're so fucking stoned by the second yeah. one. But all natural. You come back into the sauna and we have a game we play where you got to add up numbers. No one can do it. Honey, you have that and friends. <laughs> yes, yes. That's amazing. I know. I mean, I honestly, very lucky. <laughs> when you talk about friends, Kurt just loves the family. But getting back to the plunge parties that you're doing? Yes, yes. <laughs> they're kind of kinky, right? They're not quite 70s, but they're borderline you kinky. You know what? few screams in there, but... But that's not because anybody's having bad. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, but honestly, it's the best thing you can do for yourself. The cold plunge and all of that going back and forth. Take a cold shower. Your body responds to that. It yeah, yeah. wakes up. You get elevated dopamine for hours after. And dopamine is an awesome neurotransmitter. That's what we're all chasing. All the other drugs you like, yes. that's what they're giving you, but that, then it's a very diminished return. Exactly. But you know what else can create dopamine? Tell me. Friendship and dancing and movement. We want to raise our dopamine. So we do dopamine dances. Oh, I love yeah. that. So I think understanding your own brain is pretty great, and then you don't have to get high. Yes, I agree. <laughs> okay, so dancing, wonderful. Let's go back to Washington, D.C. Mom is a dance instructor. My mother was a businesswoman. Her best friend was a dance teacher. And so my mother arranged the whole business and she ran the dancing school and I was three years old. That was my first dancing lesson. And you immediately fell in love with it. I love to dance, but I didn't know anything but dance. Really quick, when I read DC, we're really talking maybe Maryland? I live in Maryland. I was born in Washington, DC. I lived on a dead end street, very modest, duplex house for 19 years until I went to New York. What city in Maryland? Tacoma Park. Do you know where Gaithersburg is? Yeah. I had a girlfriend in high school that lived in Gaithersburg, but I went and visited her there. And she took me to my favorite state park I've ever been to in my life, Great Falls on the Potomac. Did you oh, ever go yeah. to that state park oh, when yeah. you were a kid? Maryland's a beautiful state. The only thing I don't like about the East Coast, now that I was able to go west when I was 19 is when I went to LA and I saw the deserts and I saw things. I was in awe. That feeling of awe made me write in my diary, how could anyone doubt the existence of God when you're looking out the window of this airplane and seeing this landscape and this beauty and the light and the color. And I was so moved. But I didn't go back home to live again. And one of the reasons was all the mountains looked like bald heads. It was old. It didn't have a feeling of newness. And then when I would see the Rockies and how beautiful they were and pointy. They looked like they were still growing. Everything was growing. And I just felt like that. The difference between the East and the West. But living where I lived on a dead end street was the best thing ever because we were safe. The kids could run around and do everything you wanted to do. And one of them took my mother's dressmaker that looked like a naked person. And we walked it around the neighborhood and <laughs> called it Mrs. 
this tookie. Yeah. And we were so excited. And we'd make forts down in the woods. And we were left alone to create and do all that stuff. Was it your mom who Wyatt sang played the, the violin? violin? Who, who did Wyatt mom? play the violin for? Oh, my for? father. So he never knew my dad. My dad played for all the president's I was going to say he played for JFK. Yeah. He played for FDR. Yeah. He was one of the band guys. They always chose him within this one company. And he worked for all these things. King Saud. He did the embassy. I mean, crazy stuff. And was he playing all the time at home? Daddy, he's his own podcast. Okay. <laughs> I can channel him. But he was the first violinist, and then he became a horn. So he taught himself clarinet. how to play clarinet and saxophone. But he had a watch shop by day. So in Silver Spring, Maryland, he was sort of a icon. Hans watch shop and was right next to the Tasty Diner. <laughs> You're saying watch shop? He ran out. Yeah, he, he sold he watch watches. and repaired watches. Oh, 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 wow. I don't think I ever saw him after school without one of those eyepieces on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's looking at all the tiny little pieces. A loop, do they call it sometimes? A loop, exactly. Yeah. So I feel like, and I just learned this about Wyatt. Do you have your water? You got your tea. I'm going to go for my tea right so let's now. Let's start hot and we'll end it's cold. Getting, it's oh, this like, will be like the sauna. So then we'll go hot and then we'll go cold. <laughs> hot, cold, hot, cold. But now that I know your dad could fix watches and was intricate like that, and to hear how much Wyatt is enjoying building oh violins, God. like, are those two so weirdly oh, so similar? Weird. I swear to God, it's got to be in his DNA. Here's what he did when he was four, and he never knew my father. He said, Mommy, I want to play the violin like Grandpa. Aww. At four. He was four. And he had and I thought, where did that come from? I mean, it actually made me weep because I have all daddy's violins. I've put them in shadow boxes and they're artwork for me. But Wyatt at four? So I put him to Suzuki. He studied for a while violin and he really loved it. And then he didn't. Later on, he picked up the guitar. So he's a string guy. But then he started picking up the violin again. <laughs> it was calling to him. Yeah. So he found his violin maker. And for Chris Robinson, and he was about 16, 17, he made the most gorgeous guitar Aww. with inlays of pearl. And Chris treasures it. But Wyatt is like that. When I met Wyatt, I could see that he had had such an affinity for Chris. Like, what a cool presence Chris had yes, been in his life that maybe right. even turned him on to guitar and music and you could just see it. he right. was very instrumental in maybe his identity and who he wanted to be. Exactly. I'll tell you very something about sweet. Wyatt. Really interesting story. Well, I find it interesting. I don't know if Kurt would find it interesting. But... <laughs> <laughs> he already had his turn. Yeah, exactly. He was already here. Goldie's getting the last word, so go ahead. I'm getting the last word. We got the last one, but I'm the first one. <laughs> anyway, he had to write something in school, Wyatt, and he wrote, what does mom do? And he had to draw a picture. And what does dad do? He had me going to the office every day, which was true. I produced running movies. I had a job, right? Right. Kurt was an airplane flyer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a pilot. A pilot? I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> the life of Riley. <laughs> anyway, so that was that. I think our kids just think we are unemployed. We're just always home. Oh, no, no, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, he never wanted to be an actor. He was individuated. He was a hockey player. That's why we moved up to Vancouver. So he took great pride in his identity of being that. So the school assignment was, who is your hero? He could have chosen any one of the hockey goaltenders. He chose the Dalai Lama. Oh, wow. Weirdly, I'm not shocked, but that's crazy he for a young... He has a zen attitude. He was 11. The reason why he chose him... Oh, God, I almost cry when I think about it. I guess it's just so compassionate. He said, because right now he's suffering and people are suffering from the Chinese. And he's forgiving them. Right, this would have been at the height of the Free Tibet movement. This so was, he was yeah, very it was all aware then. of that. That's what he chose. 
That's what was on his mind. Because he had forgiveness. That's so cool. And that was his hero. Now, I don't know, man, but that's who he is. Right. Ultimately, the kids show you who they are. So I have two little girls now, and isn't it just astounding how much they are genetically who they are? They come out. You might be able to steer them five degrees in this direction or that, but man, they are who they are. Exactly. The quicker you can get out of the way and just get excited with them of figuring out who this person is. Exactly. But it's true. I mean, they're all their own person. And when I was pregnant, I was just a carrier. And I really loved it. I love being a girl. I love having babies. I love the fact that we get to have those babies and they get to grow inside of us. And it's such a miracle to this day. But I never felt that I owned them. I never felt that they were just all mine. I really felt they were little people coming to the world through me and that I was their vessel. And that's where they grew. But it didn't mean they were going to be like me. I can't divine who they're going to be. We're just basically the rudder and making sure that they stay online, kind, graceful. Avoid the rocks. Well, some rocks they need. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. They need the class three rapids, maybe not the <laughs> class five. It's non <laughs> Yes, no fucking waterfalls, maybe. Exactly. And Kurt was better at that than me. <laughs> you know, I just want to save everybody. He was like, oh, don't worry, I'm right behind you. Yeah. I've got you. When in fact, you know what? You'll figure this out. We're going to get to that because I think you two have a very fascinating and wonderful yin and yang that I too happen to find myself in. I'm so happy. I think opposites is a really good way to go, but you're marked that. Okay. Were you more of a mom girl or a dad girl or neither, would you say? That's a really good question. I have a guess. Okay, tell me. I think you were a daddy's girl. Yeah. Yeah. You still call him daddy, which is- So sweet. Very sweet indicator that you're a daddy's girl. Yeah. Well, he's always my daddy. I heard Gwyneth Paltrow be interviewed by Howard Stern, and she said something that made me cry in my car, which is she was talking about her father, and she said, well, everyone has a dad, and if you're really lucky, you have a daddy. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, I hope my girls always call me dad. It's true. (laughs) And so much for a girl. I was on a show once in London and it was one of the big talk shows. And he had just had two twins and they were girls. And I said to him, first of all, congratulations. Secondly, you're the first person they're going to fall in love with. You better watch yourself because they will want that because you are that love in their life. That's the first love we have in our life. I was madly, when I was little, in love with my father. Now, the other side of it is, is that daddy and I were best friends. He was a musician. His last thing he said to me before he died, he said, when are you going to direct, Goldie? He was How old advocate. were you when he died? 30-something. You had won an Oscar. Yeah, I was around 35, 36, and he called me and he said, I want you to remember this. What you have done in your 36 years is what most people get in a lifetime. He said, I'm so proud of you. Oh, man. And that meant the world to me. Oh, my God, yeah. There's a lot of awards you get, and they're wonderful. But these are memories. These are things that shape you. And my mother, she was a driver. She made sure I went to dancing school. I said, I'm not going. She said, yes, you are. (laughs) The fuck you're not. (laughs) She was the one that had the She was running the show. Well, and she married an artist, so someone had to be the non-artist. I don't even know how you guys have made a housework with two fucking artists. I don't either, but Kurt really, he has a mentality. He's amazing. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got an amazing brain. Wait, I want to say real quick, the irony of... 
of us saying that your kids are your own people, which they are, but Kate is so similar to you. Oh, Even during this 20 minutes we've been here, it's like hard, it's, you're so similar. Yeah, if there <laughs> were any one of your children, I think it'd be hardest for you to not think is yours, it's her. Oh my gosh. And I have to tell you the journey I took dating Even Kate. Even your voice, oh, like what? the voice is the same. <laughs> well, I took the journey of dating Kate and then I saw shampoo. Oh, right. And I was like, Oh my God, I was dating Goldie. No, like, no, that was really funny. I mean, that is fucking uncanny. You and Shampoo, that might be the sparkliest I've ever seen someone in a movie. Oh really? my God. Nobody could watch Shampoo and not just be tragically in love with you. You're the most sparkly, fun, ethereal fucking creature that's somehow tap dancing on planet Earth. That's amazing to hear. And then you watch Almost Famous and I'm like, Oh, here she is again. Yeah. She time traveled. She did shampoo. <laughs> then she zipped ahead to the late 90s and did that movie then zipped back. It's freaky. And then, obviously, I went and stayed with you guys in Canada. And then I met the real you. And I'm like, holy smokes, I hope I don't get confused. No, that's so funny. <laughs> well, we are. We have a lot of things that are alike. There's no, no, no doubt about it. Now, that is DNA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's yeah, an yeah. essence. That's something you can't help. It's an interesting thing to know your differences. I know our similarities, but what separates us are our differences, and it's important. And one of the things when she was little, and she was still in elementary school, something happened in school. I said to her, honey, I'm going to tell you something. You are so talented. You are much better in school than I ever was. You are an incredible runner. You run faster than anybody in L.A. You're a beautiful dancer. I want you to realize that I wasn't that good. And I want you to know all the things that you do well. And it isn't just what I do. Right. You're not in my shadow. It, you're in, right, your, you're own in your own lane. Own. Now, does it work? Does it not work? Yeah. You try the best you can. Let me ask you this. So we have two daughters. One is very, very similar to me. One is very, very similar to Kristen. And we figured out some years ago, I'm not to discipline the one like me and she's not to discipline the one like her. I have a lot of practice dealing with her. She has a lot of practice dealing with me. I find it hardest and it saddens me the most that the one that's like me, I feel like I most could potentially help because I've been navigating this personality for so long, but I have the hardest time. We trigger each other the easiest. Mm -hmm. And same with Kristen and our daughter that's like her. And I wonder if you and Kate being so similar, if you had that dynamic ever, where it's like the things you see in her, the things you see in yourself. This is complicated because when you have, let's just say a little girl, and that little girl is identifying with her mother for the most part, and she wants to trump her mother. That's normal. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I want to be better than my mom. For sure. So she'll approve of me and love me. Exactly. Or the world will. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. There's a lot of perspectives around that. And to be aware of it, I know that if I made cupcakes as a mother and my little girl, maybe her name's not Kate, maybe it's another little girl, yeah. whoever. Becky. What's her name? Becky. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you can go anywhere. You know, Trixie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trixie Hahn is making some. Trixie Hahn. <laughs> Here she comes. But you know that you have to be aware that that, what you would call competition, is normal. So I remember when she was doing great at 200 cigarettes. I mean, come on, her talent's insane. And people were saying to me, do you feel competitive with your daughter? And I was still working, doing a bunch of stuff. I thought, how dare you? That's a bad question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that offensive. It was really offensive. I want my kids to shine brighter than of me. Of course. Yeah. And the perception is that there's a competition. There is a generic trope of an actress who covets her youth. 
And so, of course, your daughter must be inflaming your desire to be young again. That's the old myth of Persephone and um, what's it? Oh, like a Greek? Oh, no, it's an old myth. Anyway, it's where they created summer and spring because Persephone was the mother and Daphne, I'm making it up now, yeah, sorry. Becky. Was Trixie. his daughter. <laughs> Trixie. Trixie. Yeah. And she was the- <laughs> Persephone's daughter, <laughs> Trixie. You know, I forgot her name. <laughs> so anyway, so now what happens is in this lore is that how summer was created is that it was winter all the time. Persephone decided her daughter at the age of when you get your period at that point, of course, it's early now, but around 12 years old, she went down to Z she went down below. And now her mother was devastated that she lost her daughter. Devastated that she was going into this world of female and all this sex. And she was no longer a little girl. She was no longer the one who carried her in her arms. And there's a weakness to that. And that's where the idea that your daughter is stealing your age. Mm -hmm. Your daughter is stealing this from you. She made a deal with Hades and said, I will create spring and summer if you please let me have my daughter back again. Oh, wow. It's a beautiful story, and it's very true, because if mothers don't have their world, their ideas of things, the joy of living, I don't care if they're playing tennis or golf with people or whatever that might be as they grow older, they don't have anything to hang on, which is interesting. A happier life, an ability to move transferently what you had with your daughter onto others, because your daughter's going to disappear at periods. So... I think that's an interesting analogy of saying, if you were doing anything, your daughter's going to want to be you. And she goes into your closet and she steals your <laughs> shoes. Yeah. And guess what else she steals? Your car <laughs> when you're not there. <laughs> right, right, and right, I've been right. through it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Katie and I are very, very, very close. There's no question. And I also I just, respect I just wondered her if, privacy. Absolutely. Respect. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to respect our kids. No, you guys are in a similar tricky situation that I too am in. If, like, if I want to yeah. talk about my wife, you know who my wife is. If I want to talk about my sex life, well, we know who that's with, right? So I understand. And it's interesting because four or five of you are all known. So you can't even say my son no, or wait. my husband. Did you hear about our dog? No. Is your we dog in movies beautiful- now? <laughs> okay. This is crazy. This is crazy. Our dog got the Budweiser commercial. No, is this? No. No way. I was joking. No way. What's the dog's name? Roy. Roy Russell? Yes. Oh. oh, my God. The dog's on TV? Yeah, and he's Does he the get most good residuals? Go- he is so gorgeous. He's a gorgeous <laughs> white, yellow Labrador. Oh. Roy. <laughs> <laughs> what a family. Wait, how did Roy end up in a Budweiser commercial? Because the woman that actually trained him has a relationship with people who <laughs> sure. say, do we have a dog? She also does that. Yeah, you know, so I got this him. dog from a lot of pedigree. Multiple Academy Award nominations, some wins. Would you like Roy? <laughs> you should see the CV a bit dog. <laughs> He's already had three jobs. Oh my God. Wow. Okay, right. So if now if you talk about your dog yeah. and you want to tell an embarrassing story <laughs> about him, like you caught him licking himself. Yeah. Now you can't. because No, he's, no, oh. good point. Yes. Good point. And he probably has a representative and you'll hear about it. <laughs> Kurt said he gets first to billing. I just want you to know. And by the way, where's the money? <laughs> yes. Where's the residuals? He was so funny. He doesn't get residuals. That's what you don't get. But Kurt is like a stage mother. And when you guys see the commercial, are you even That's more great. excited than you are when you see like Wyatt oh, in a movie? Yeah. I feel like I mean, I'd be on. even more pumped about my dog exactly. being Exactly. I mean, they've got all the horses, you know, and the whatever Wait, they is are. he in the Clydesdale? fucking Clydesdale? Clydesdale, yeah. Ooh. Oh my God, he's in like a legendary commercial. I know. He was the puppy. Back then there was a little mm. puppy. Wait, he's not the puppy from the barn that goes after the horse. 
Don't even say that. Yes. Goldie, this is the most memorable dog performance no, in no, commercial. No, Wait, exactly. Wait, you know what, what? I'm talking about? No, it was a Super Bowl commercial. Have... Oh. This little puppy grows up with this Clydesdale. Then the Clydesdale gets out, and then the puppy's now grown up into a golden retriever, is I know. it? Okay, and then busts no, out no, of the no, farm. No, 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 it's a lab. A lab. Is yeah. it Lost out. Dog Super Bowl commercial? Yes. Hold on. Is Goldie, this him? Yeah. <laughs> Not only is he in a commercial, oh my God, he's so big... good. He just popped up really. He did a really good job. <laughs> he's so good. Aww. So this is this is the other oh story. I mean, really. That's hilarious. <laughs> Who else wants to be my child? <laughs> <laughs> well, now there's someone just, just moved to LA is like dying to get adopted by you. <laughs> I'm sure there's applicants. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Now I love the one thing you said about your dad because. I have also said this on here, and it weirdly feels dicey now, but I don't know. I stick to it. My point with dads is your daughter's going to marry you, so who do you want her to marry? Now's the time to be the very fucking best version of yourself because this is who she's going to try to go out and get. That's 100% right. And I can't tell you how much it's curbed my own existence where it's like, no, I got to be the person that I hope she ends up with. You've become more mindful. And that's what we all need to become because there's an important issue at hand. And therefore you stay focused on it because if you are unmindful with your children. You'll see. Yeah. It'll come back to you. The bill comes due. It really does. So they're the spoils of our bad behavior. Are we laughing? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. They're the spoils of our bad behavior. I know. Should we write it down? Yeah. There also could be the result of a weird sauna weekend in the West Coast it of could be. Sweden. You know, I'm breaking that down. That could be really tough. <laughs> Especially when I'm freezing. Stay tuned for more Armchair Experts. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having Because you were, some... not to out you, you were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be <laughs> Rob and I received some texts. Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, which is this attic. <laughs> <sighs> But then you felt much better after. I felt much better. And I even made some apologies. Um, talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dax today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dax. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you, uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX.
We are supported by Sleep Number. Oh, mattresses can be a pretty big purchase. It's kind of like a home. You and your partner have to shop around for one that you'll both love, that's comfortable and suited to your preferences. Well, I'm about to make your lives a whole lot easier. Instead of hopping around from store to store, just check out Sleep Number Smart Beds. They're designed for you and your partner's ever-evolving sleep needs. When you see it, you'll know it's the one. I mean, this just changed the lives of my bride and I. The fact that we didn't have to compromise on the firmness of the mattress and the fact that it can evolve as we evolve is incredible. Sleep Number is great because it's all about what you need. You can adjust the firmness to your ideal settings on each side, perfect for couples. The smart beds respond and adjust to your movements throughout the night to help you sleep better. My Sleep Number is an 85. Whether you need something with more support or something to help quiet the snores, Sleep Number has you covered. So sleep better together with a Sleep Number smart bed. It's the only bed that lets you make each side firmer or softer whenever you like your Sleep Number setting. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So this is a compliment I'm going to give you, and it will expose something about them. It'll violate their privacy, but I think it's in an acceptable way. So you two modeled for Oliver and for Wyatt, and Aaron is like, an impossible angel on planet Earth. Oliver's wife is incredible. They're still together, right? Unbelievable. Okay, you looked at me and I got scared that they no, were No, I'm so with you. Oh, yeah. No, I'm meeting so Aaron, your eyes. Okay, I'm okay, looking okay. at you Great. and my eyes are like penetrating your eyes. I love it. It's maybe tickling me all over. Right. And the spoils of which will be not <laughs> a child, but maybe an interview. <laughs> and then Wyatt's wife, who have not yet hung out with, but I know so many people that know her and they're like, oh, she's the greatest person alive. So I hope that you feel the compliment of that. Can you internalize that? I told this to my brother. My brother's made errors. He's done things he's regretted as a parent, but he has three daughters and all of them are with boys that are madly in love with them. And I said, David, that's you. You are madly in love with your daughters and that's what they expect and they will take nothing less. Exactly. Oh, my God. That's the gift you can give your boys. I remember Oliver when he was young, but he was in puberty. And he would come up and kiss me. He was just 14 or something. And he had his girlfriend. And he'd sit on my lap. He <laughs> was such a love bucket. And he wasn't afraid of showing his girlfriend. And then he'd hold his bow together. And, <laughs> and we're very close. But that was amazing to see his freedom that way. And when I look at the girls, I said, I think there's one picture of us where we're all behind. It's like four blondes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's pretty. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're all awesome women. They're great people. I've said, I don't know how I got so lucky to be able to have these as my daughters. These aren't just daughters-in-law. They're my daughters. You all lived next to each other. We're family. And Wyatt really didn't want to be down in the valley. He wanted to be closer to where he lived. And sure enough, he's on the house he was born on. So, I mean, he came home again. That's so sweet. So now we're all together. It's amazing. That's got to be your greatest accomplishment. I was just reading about, well, A, I saw Wyatt. He was just here. I know Kate has the house she lived in when she was a kid. She's in the house I bought when I was six months pregnant with her. Right. And I read some interview with you today, and it was talking about how you guys will ride bikes to each other's house. And I thought, well, that's it right there for me. The notion that I would 
be lucky enough to grow older and have my children in bike riding distance from me. And want that, to. And want, want to ride yeah, over. That's yes. a huge No, I know. I know. And want to. Yes, very lucky. It's the greatest. I mean, we used to take boat trips together and the kids were smaller then, but they were all past everybody. They didn't want anybody else on the boat. Could we just do just us? Ugh. Yeah. And that's really, really great. And that's part of Kurt, too. It's just a blast. Now, <laughs> I do want to walk through some touchstones. I can't believe that your first professional paid job was dancing at the New York World's Fair. That's mm -hmm. bizarre, historically speaking. I know. And then you got on to laughing really young. When I left New York, I danced in the theater in the round, which is where I met Gus. That was my first husband. He's a dancer. Oh, you and was? I was a dancer, and that's what we did. Did you both just have the best bodies? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I Let's somehow... Let's put it this way. Strong bodies. <laughs> strong. Sure. Limber. Yeah, limber, limber and, strong. and strong. And good endurance. And dancers. endurance, yeah. yeah. It was good. I loved being a dancer. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. But anyway, then I moved from there and I danced in Vegas. So I danced the DI, Desert Dance. Oh, the, and that was, for people who are not old enough, the DI was like the most elegant elevated, fancy. Yeah. It was it the was, fantasy of Vegas. It was. It peaked with the Desert Inn. I stayed there before it had been torn yeah. down and it felt so special. It was very special. So that was where we danced, okay? And I lived way out in the desert somewhere and I was 20. But you know, the story that I have there going to the desert, I was in Anaheim for like two months. I thought that was Hollywood. <laughs> and then I ended up getting to Hollywood with a friend and then I did an audition for Vegas. And the next thing I know, I'm going to Vegas. Never been to Vegas. I got a car. Actually, I upped my grade of the car. It was a Chevy with the big fins on it and it squeaked all the time. Like a 57 Chevy-ish? Yeah. The car that I had before that, I couldn't make a right-hand turn because my left-hand door would fly open. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. But anyway, so now I'm getting with the girls and we're caravanning. Now, we're on the 10. I don't know where I am. I'm just following the girls, going to Las Vegas. Somebody had a map. I didn't. <laughs> and I had me and my little poodle, and that's all I had in life at that point. And so now I get there, and all of a sudden I get a flat tire. All the girls go by me. Oh, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone. See you in Vegas. Good they're luck gone. with the tire. And I'm all alone. Oh. On the 15 or wherever, heading for Death Valley. Oh, wow. And I'm going, where am I? So I got off, I stood on the fins of my car, and I waved anybody down because I needed help. So this one guy stopped, he was in a suit, he was going to a date, and he said, I'll change your tire for you. And then he got me to the gas station, and then he took off. So now I said, how do you get to Vegas again? <laughs> <laughs> and they gave me, just, just hang on 15 or whatever. And then You'll see it, you'll hit you'll it. You'll hit it. So now I'm in the car, and now it gets pitch black dark, scared to friggin' death. There's no moon out, I'm seeing sort of a little thing of a mountain, or what is is this? I thought, oh my God. And I turned and I looked to the right. There was somebody hitchhiking. Oh. So I picked him up. <laughs> oh, oh my God. And the moment you were terrified, oh. you're like, let's put a hitchhiker in this equation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I trusted everybody. Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, it turned out that he was a Green Beret. Oh. And he was coming back from Vietnam. No way. To surprise his mother. No way. Aww. This would only happen to you. People like you that just trust and they're rewarded. I had the most wonderful time with him. Did you let him drive? No. Okay, that's best. No, we had an ice cream sundae oh before. <laughs> and it was so beautiful. And then I dropped him up. I mean, it was truly a blessed event. Hold on a second, though. There's a real man who got back from Vietnam. And he has this story 
He's like, you wouldn't believe this, but I got picked up by Goldie Hawn. I wasn't when I was worried. a kid. Yeah, she, yeah, I know exactly. you are. I know you oh, are. Oh, yeah, yeah. But potentially years well, later. Well, later he's watching. He's at the yes, movies. Yes, he's, 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 he's watching. He's like, he's like, where do I know this chick Well, it wasn't from? that long, actually, because Laughing came after that. Right. Uh, so he was at home with his mom. Now he's with her. Yeah. And it's he's a great like, day for him. Yes. And just <laughs> over the years, it's kind of like there's a very famous story about a man who picked up Howard Hughes had crashed his plane in the middle of the Nevada desert and a man saved him and took him to the hospital and he gave that man a million dollars and bought him a house and all this Isn't stuff. Isn't that something? Yeah, it's like this very famous story. I love But this, this story. guy has a little version of that. He's like, not only did she pick me up hitchhiking, which she shouldn't have done, we then had banana splits or ice cream sundaes. Like I know. He's probably a movie star too now. Anyone who comes close to you gets to probably be a Gene movie Hackman. star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think it might have been Gene Hackman? <laughs> oh my God, Gene Hackman. I loved him so much and he went to buy a house and I went to that house to buy that same house. It was in the valley and then my producer at that time of basically my first movie, Cactus Flower, he said, don't get that house. It's Michael Curtiz's old house. He had nothing but bad luck in that house. Child died in the pool. He said, yeah, I don't want you in that house. And I said, okay, I'm not getting it. So then I'm having dinner with Gene. And he said, you know, I think I'm going to buy that house. Oh. Gene, don't buy the house. <laughs> you told him. Don't buy the house. There's some bad stuff. And he bought the house and then he got a divorce. Oh, <laughs> there he you go. He should have, you know. He did your like warning. <laughs> you got to listen. <laughs> yeah. So you dance in Vegas at the DI. Didn't know that part of it. Get laughing even if that show was fifth in the ratings i don't know what it was back in the day but this is back when 30 40 million people watched the fifth place show so i'm imagining overnight you kind of lost anonymity at least walking around no that's when I lost my anonymity. That was rough for you, right, mentally? What was rough for me was being chosen out of the chorus line on a TV show that I did with Tennessee Ernie Ford, Andy Griffith, and these were singers, entertainers, all beloved, and there was a special. And we did an audition. I went to several auditions for dancing, and I got this one. And there were 12 girls and we were dancing and singing, which means we got more money. And I was very excited about it. And it was my first show. I called mom and dad and I said, oh my God, I've got my first show. I mean, on TV. And then he said, he's always going to use me. And I'm so excited. And then on that show, this guy comes up to me and he says, do you have an agent? And I said, I don't. Right now, I don't really need one. And he said, well, I'm an agent for William Morris. He said, I'd actually like to see you. And I got his card and all this stuff. And I mean, how many cards did these guys give me? Please, that's a whole other book. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. It's too many things to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a call at home from a secretary and she said, excuse me, are you Goldie Hawn? And I said, yes. She said, well, we're all waiting for you here in the office. I just completely forgot about it. For me, it was just a come on. You thought it was a guy that was just hitting He's just you. another guy. I go in my car. Now that was the car that had no floorboards really. <laughs> okay. it, you could so see you're the seeing road. the ground go by. Yeah, it was cool though. <laughs> mm -hmm. Unless it rained, then water would splash up. Yeah, I've had exactly. a couple of these. I wrapped my legs in towels. <laughs> because it was so cold. Anyway, <laughs> so I go to William Morris and I sit there like, as my mother would say, a locking cuff. What am I doing here? And now he talks to the agents and he says, I just have a feeling about her. And they said, well, I don't know. I mean, you can sign her. He said, I'm going to put her up for Persky and Denhoff's show. And they said, well, she's too young for that. He said, that's okay. I just want them to meet her. Now, this is without me saying a word. I'm going, boop, boop. <laughs> Am I going? Am I not going? They're am saying I'm going? Going. Am I'm I going. Here? Oh, he Where thinks I'm going. Why? <laughs> why does everybody drive a Jaguar here? <laughs> <laughs> now, I have this audition. I brought all my own teapots and stuff to do my own whatever. And then I left and I went home. And then this guy 
guy called me, who's my agent now, and he said, you got the part. And I said, I did not get the part. I said, I'm too young for the part. He said, no, no, they wrote a part in for you. And this was laughing? No, this was Good Morning World. That was your first? That's the first one, and that was 26 guaranteed weeks. No way. Goodbye, no floorboards cars. Exactly. I mean, it was pretty crazy. That is where I got my start, and that is when I became depressed. Because I loved being a dancer. I worked all my life never thinking. People said to me, what do you want to be when you grow up, Goldie? We want to be a ballet dancer, a dancer, a star. I just said, I just want to be happy. I'm 11. I'll never forget this. So the reality is, is that I never wanted to be a star. I was picked up by outcaps people and picked up by people trying to do the come on, giving me lies. I just thought everybody in Hollywood was just fucked up. Full of shit, yeah. And I didn't want to be like that. I wanted the white picket fence. I wanted to cook dinner. I wanted to have children. I wanted to teach dancing. Was Gus threatened by this new chapter that was presenting itself? Well, I don't know that he was threatened. All I know is at the pinnacle of when everybody went, oh my God, Goldie Hawn. What I want to know and compassionately, how can you live with that? Everywhere you go, people see you. They don't see him. Every party you go to, you're the main thing. I couldn't watch it. It's yeah. brutal. Yeah. I had a girlfriend for two years while I was on TV, and I'd see the same people introduce themselves to her seven times. Yes. Like, what are you talking about? Two years ago, you would remember her, not me. Right. She's smarter than me, did better at school than me, is more charismatic. What happened here? It's so hard for that person. So that's what happened. There were so no it was words. part of the depression? No, the depression came. We weren't even finished filming, really, Good Morning World. I went to New York, and it was an affiliate thing for CBS. And I'm signing autographs. I had just left there a year and a half ago. I only had my dog that I paid $250, and I had only $50 left in my pocket. Of course, I didn't spend properly, but I did have a great dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not generally where you allocate your limited way, resources. I didn't go alone <laughs> on the big trip across the United States of America in a big plane like I'd never been in. To me, I needed a dog. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Comfort dog. When this happened, something happened to me. And everyone was so happy for me. And I didn't know why I was not happy. Because I was in a different world. I left my dancers. It was going too fast for you, maybe? Yes. First of all, that was never what I wanted to be. I wanted to be normal. And I used to say that to Daddy. You know, this was after I'd already made it. Because he'd come over and we'd have coffee in the morning. And I said, Daddy, I just want to have a normal life. And he said, go, you're not normal. And you've got to realize this. Yeah, you got to accept yes. this. you got to accept you're not normal. Because otherwise you'll be miserable until right. you do. Right, so... The expectation, I'm the opposite. I had no expectation. All I was celebrating was the fact that I was dancing on TV and I was still going to dance because Nick Castle was the greatest choreographer and he said, oh my God, you're my new girl. You're going to be it. And the next thing I know, I'm not the it girl. I am now on a TV show. And then I just got deeper and deeper into what you call uh, panic attacks. I can't even describe them. And anybody who has had them, you don't know when they're coming. I just stayed home in my chair and I drank tea and I went to work because I felt like if I went into public, I would get sick to my stomach. And not a lot of tools then. This is 1967. Exactly. Like no one knows what to say to you. They maybe give you a quaalude or something, but... They don't know what to do. No, this is actually one of the areas now that people are struggling with. We're struggling with mental health with our children right now, big time. And no one knows how to fix it. There's a malaise. There's a sadness. There's a hopelessness. Our children aren't jumping and dancing and playing joyfully with not a care in the world the way they should be. I get emotional on this. But I'm doing something about it. That's the best thing you can do than complain. You just want to make a difference in the world. But in terms of where I was then, I didn't know. And I saw a doctor. I found a doctor. I saw him for nine years. I was so focused on what I call the university of me. 
I really wanted to know how this happened. What is my brain doing? What am I thinking? And it was very Freudian. Of course, in 1967. Exactly, which means lie down and free associate. Did you ever do acid therapy? No, I never did any. I smoked a little bit of dope. I never liked it. I don't like being altered state. You're kind of already altered. But I'm kind of altered. You're already high enough. You know what? It's really funny. I got to tell you this. So on laughing, this woman comes up to me. She's a magazine writer. She said, don't you feel responsible for being a dumb blonde when women are now finding their liberation and they're burning their bras in the time of liberation? And I looked at her. And I said, actually, I'm already liberated. (laughs) Yes. You know what's so funny? I wrote down this. She said, well, don't you feel kind of irresponsible for being like a dumb blonde and, you know, playing dumb in a time when women are reaching out to become independent and liberated? (laughs) And you said, oh, but I'm already liberated. Exactly. (laughs) I said, because liberation, I think, should come from the inside. Yes. Mm. I'm so sorry you don't like my version of liberating, oh, but no, this no. is what it looks like no, for me. No, no, exactly. Yeah. What I'm getting at is that I was never afraid of anything. So to be in a panic situation. It threatens know, your identity, stability. right? You're like, who everything. am I? This isn't who I am. Everything. These are things we want to share with people because there are people having panic attacks right now. And you navigated it. I mean, fuck, it took nine years, but you navigated it because you engaged in the fight. That's minimally what you have to do. And you know what else I did? I started meditating. I didn't know this about you. Do you do TM? Yeah. Me too. It's great. It's simple. It's beautiful. You can do it anywhere, anytime. You don't have to have a ritual. It's nice to start out with one. Become really good at sinking down and actually being incredibly present. But on the other hand, you take it with you wherever you go. It's pretty crazy. I feel so lucky that I stumbled upon that. Just fucking 20 minutes a day of no racket. That was kind of inconceivable to me prior to that. The brain just sinks anyway. So the reality with neurobiology, I'm going to put this down here. Yeah, yeah, put it wherever you want. You can throw it on the ground. I don't care. I feel like I'm lying down here because it's like yeah, you're I'm not. I said, I'm we so gotta get you a better. I'm too back. I used to hate it when I was little. <laughs> I didn't look cool. Well, that's the dancer. You had to yeah. have great posture. I know. I didn't yeah, like yeah. it then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like my name either. Oh. Well, you had a so producer. Good. In fact, the producer on the first show you were on oh <laughs> said to Goldie, "You can't use this name in the credits. You sound like a stripper, Goldie Hawn." Oh my God! What is wrong? with everyone <laughs> telling you that you're a dumb I know, and that, that's where I met Kurt. Oh. He was 15 and she was what? 22. No. And they were doing a show. I was 21. And he was a 15-year-old. Oh and he's looking at this bombshell dance in wow. this family, what the fuck was it called? The Genuine the Family. The only Genuine Original Family Band. <laughs> the worst title. There's about six periods in there, too. That's the best part of that title. So, there's a period after so every word. The yeah. one and only, then period, Genuine Period, Original Family <laughs> Band, period. <laughs> but he saw her. Of course. come on. Of course he 20, did. 21-year-old Goldie so dancing. So I go into his office, the producer, who I actually quite remember, And he told me that. And I went, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not changing my name. My mother gave me that name, and it belonged to my great aunt who raised my mother, and I wouldn't do that. So you can use my middle name. Yeah, to class it up. You can say Goldie Jean Hahn. So your first credit is Goldie Jean Hahn. Oh, I see. Oh, wow. Yeah, can you imagine? Oh, my God. But I got to say, you, and this goes back to why I was curious about if you were daddy's girl, because... A, you've been attracted to strong men. But beyond that, I look at your scene partners over the years and it's fucking nuts. There weren't a lot of women 
that were in two-handers with Steve Martin, with Chevy Chase, with, you name it, your first movie, Walter Matthau. You go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these kind of titans of the era, and you are pound for pound as strong and flashy, and they think you're cute and blonde, and yet you have them in a headlock. I know. And it's I this incredible magic trick that <laughs> happened your whole life. So it's like, yeah, you got to hate that he called her a stripper, but that at the same time, it's a part of the whole recipe that was so intoxicating. Warren Beatty, who the fuck can tackle Warren Beatty at that time, 74, shampoo. And for you to run circles around Warren Beatty while seemingly being, oh, I don't know, is a magic trick. And you know you're in on it. You have to be in on it. You're underestimated. How about that? That's maybe the most concise way to say it. The persona was you get underestimated, and then when it was go time, fuck right. off. It was very interesting being underestimated, especially for women and comedy. They don't value it the way they should. But on the other side, I mean, I never complain. But the thing is, is that with men, for instance, with Warren, who I adored. I made three movies with him. I swore I wouldn't make another movie every time I left and finished the movie. I'll never do this again. <laughs> he got me every time. But during Shampoo, he wanted me to do the movie for a certain amount of money. And I had just done a few movies back to back. I was tired. Julie Christie was in the movie as well. And Julie got a certain amount of money. And I thought to myself, this role is a thankless role. She's just one of those Beverly Hills girls. She doesn't have much to do. She's scared. And I said, I can't work for that little money. I'm tired. And I really deserve to have more money than that, Warren. You can't make a deal with me. It's not going to happen. Right. I'm not that charmed by you. But this is the other side of me, which says this is not working. Yeah. yeah. I'm and cute fearless. and friendly and optimistic, and I have boundaries, and I value myself. Well, yeah, and I produced movies, and there was one movie, Wildcats, where I was in New York, we were producing it, and I went and I read with some of the people, and it wasn't working. And the actors were fine, but I realized this script is not working. The words aren't there. That's why it's not working. And I called Mark Rosenberg, who was the head of the studio at that time at Warner Brothers, and I said, Mark, we got to talk. This movie needs to be rewritten. So Phil Robinson, he said, no problem, we'll postpone for six weeks and we'll get it written right. Now, that's the way it used to be. People who Yeah, cared. that would never happen now. Today, you know, it's grinding it like, out. When you start on this day or you don't have a green light anymore. No, it's really interesting. Then there were other stories, which I won't share with you, but you got to stand up for yourself. Well, that's what pisses me off about the writer for the women's magazine who made that statement about you. And this is my own pet peeve currently with our culture, which is it's really easy to say anything and to evaluate and to judge while doing nothing. You're doing the shit that becomes a standard. You actually impact all the women that follow you. That's a real thing. Yelling yeah, at somebody. That's real progress. That's real action. That's not like, they did it wrong. They said the wrong thing. That doesn't help anyone. Until you've helped other women in your life, just shut the fuck up. Exactly. That drives me insane. Everyone's the police now, but they're not themselves lifting anyone. They're just trying to tear down other people. No, it's very interesting. It's the complainers. It's the people that are basically addicted to the negative perspective. When we find ourselves negative, everything in our life is going to be negative. It's just the way it is. And if you feel happy and you really work on the fact that you want to turn that negative information that you heard and I got to shake it off, you can do it. You supplant other thoughts in your mind. We have a choice to do that. And that's really beautiful about being human. We do have a choice, no matter how hard it is. And that does change the brain. Ultimately, our brain is there. It's malleable. We change our brain. Well, think about the rest of your body. If you go up to altitude, 
you're there for a while, your body starts making more hemoglobin. It goes, oh, there's not as much oxygen up here. I need some more hemoglobin That's to right. transport the limited amount there is. Every piece of your body can do that. It's adaptable. So what do you want it to adapt to? Well, that's the thing. I think today when you get into where we are politically, we are adapting to the very things that we believe. So then that becomes gospel. And then it becomes contagious. So emotional contagion is very real. The idea that you can change your mind is not allowed. Mm -hmm. There's a really good book on that about changing your mind. Not Michael Pollan's How to Change Your Mind. That's on psychedelics. No, no, not Pollan's book. But you're right. There's a kind of pervasive, or at least I think there is, and maybe I'm just getting older. That could be the problem. But there seems to be a pervasive victimness where everyone would be powerless over this. To your point, that they couldn't reframe something yeah. or move on from Reframing. it or mm -hmm. rise above it. It's all-consuming. It's arresting, and that person has to be removed from my world because it's overwhelming to me. Princess Kurt and I are totally opposite on politics. Yes, I love it. It's so fun to listen no, to you talk. Know that. He's a libertarian, and you're a, an 80s liberal. <laughs> How about that? Here's what I am. I'll be honest with you, because I'm what I learned recently, I was a tough mother. A tough mother. I was tough. And I heard this from one of my friends. He's now running Warner Brothers, but he was Oliver's best friend and still is. Jesse. Jesse. Oh, there Jesse you go. Jesse Herman. Shout out Jesse Herman. We love Jesse. Oh my God, I love Jesse. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So anyway, so Jesse, he said to me, you know, you were a very tough mom. You were strong. And I went, I never saw myself that way. Listen, Katie had parties in one party. I came downstairs. I was in my nightgown. She was having a party. It was like three in the morning. And I looked at everybody. And they seemed to be having fun. So I walked around the room and I turned out some lights and I said, lighting is everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked out of the room. <laughs> you guys don't have the right vibe in here. I know. I thought it was cool, right? Yeah. yeah. But no, he said, because you didn't get mad very often. But when you did, we knew right away. You're the immovable object when you need to be. Exactly. It was really interesting to find that out. But I'm also that way about my product. I'm that way about my Mind Up program. I'm that way about my movies. I was that way with every movie I made. So Mind Up, really quick, you've been working for quite a long time on a project, Mind Up, that you came up with, and you actually have a curriculum that's available both as an app and online, and you take it to schools, and seven million kids have used it. It's all about learning how to manage your emotions, but it gives children the ability to understand they have more agency than they think they do. Oh, I love So this. when they're little, starting in kindergarten, they learn about the developing brain, your amygdala, your prefrontal cortex, and your hippocampus. These are the emotional parts of the brain. And we learn about what they do, and we learn about how they function, and we learn about how to reduce our stress and get Breathe. out of the amygdala and go into the prefrontal mm -hmm. cortex. Yeah. So when you teach these children, it gives them the ability to manage themselves. Our research is extraordinary. We've had like 11 research projects going on. And the last one is the most interesting, is that we did epigenetic study with mm. our kids. The most fascinating part of the whole thing now, right? Yeah, we realized that our children were able to methylate their genetics, particularly in the area of their brain, better than the control group. That kind of research yeah. can change everybody's mind. How do you create a school where you're building a child, a whole person? Because it's not just math. It's also give them an understanding how they can manage their own brain. Well, by the way, it should be the absolute foundation, the socio-emotional learning, because if you can't self-regulate, how good can you pursue the math pursuit exactly. when you get in to take the test? Or, you're, you know, step one is regulating yourself. Exactly. So that's the foundation. Everything else and will everything be better Everything else will that. be better. So how do you prepare a mind for learning. I've been doing it for 20 years. I came up with the idea. I didn't even know what social and emotional learning was. And now the CDC has just come out and said, mind up 
is the program you should be using. No shit. Yes. That is so my little amazing. my little girls go to a charter school and the whole premise is socio-emotional learning and the stuff that they're picking up, I'm like, oh my God, I had to fucking become an addict then go to AA to learn yeah. the thing you learned in second grade. It's mind-blowing. The way they navigate conflict. Exactly. And when I started this 21 years ago, nobody was doing it. Yeah. Right. People I'd never looked heard at me and that. said, you're going to teach kids about their brain? And I said, I am. And you're going to have them meditate in the classroom? I said, no, I'm calling it a brain break. It's not meditation. Yeah, I know yeah. that's too triggering. Meditation's too Well, first wacky. of all, <laughs> true meditation is longer. But children, we do it three times a day, three minutes each time. And after a while, the brain gets used to that. Right. And then suddenly the brain quicker. goes, oh, I know what that is. So you just sink right down. Do you teach them box breathing and stuff? Is there any like breathing exercises? We breathe in the morning, but we breathe during our brain break. We follow our breath and we learn how to breathe in and out through your nose. You do that three times. All of our educators understand that breath is one of the most powerful things that we can give our children during the day to settle themselves because of what happens to the brain when you breathe. Mm-hmm. So everything is neurologically correlated. Right. Once your heart rate gets above a certain beats per minute, the thinking automatically shifts to the amygdala. It says that we're in trouble. We need to be thinking instinctually. Exactly. Once your heart rate's at 170, you can't think with your frontal no. cortex. No, And all the cortisol running through your body yes. and all that. But what we have now is we're working with a cardiologist. He's got a breathing technique and we're partnering with him. But he said, Goldie, do you realize that the closest thing to our brain and the conversation with every organ we have is the heart? The heart is the most responsive to our brain, to our stress, to our anxiety, to all these things, the heart and the mind have an incredible combination. Like the most direct connection the in the whole body. The most direct connection. Yeah. Which is why we need to breathe for heart health, aside from eat and do the right things. The idea that that is a conversation that the brain has with the heart every day, all day. And at night. Yeah. So it's a beautiful analogy to beautiful brain and a beautiful heart. We want the children to recognize that these are words that are positive and wonderful. You know, we've got to look at our verbiage and how we put our words. So we have optimistic classrooms. We have classrooms kids want to go to. This is all we care about. And at this point in time, we're looking at, what are we going to do? We don't have enough therapists. Well, you know what? Put this program in every school in America. Yeah. What is wrong with making that happen? Anyway, so that's me on my role. I I love that. Talk about greatest accomplishment. That's incredible. The bike riding to the family is a little above that for me, but just by like a micron. That's pretty big. Yeah, the bike riding is good. (laughs) But you know, I miss being funny. I really do. I bet. It's a euphoric state, right? Making people laugh is like the greatest thing you can do and telling story within that that actually matters like private benjamin or these movies that actually tell a tale it's just the greatest thing ever and i've been really head down in creating this for children and the other part of it is is that if something great comes along you can't miss it so i have a script that i wrote years ago i have a producer coming in who wants to produce it and make a series out of it by god i'm going to do it and it's really about life it's about death and it's about happiness it's really funny she goes to take her husband's ashes she loses them in india and (laughs) And the rest of it is hilariously funny, but it's also a woman who's afraid of death. She's afraid of getting old. She doesn't want to give up her job. She really is on the edge. And when her ex-husband dies, he actually is the one pushing her in death through this experience. So she can return back to who she lost. Yeah. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... 
Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know Esther Perel? Do you know that therapist? Yeah. She has this really cool, maybe it's not proprietary to her, but she deals a lot with people who have had infidelity. And a point she makes, which I think is so profound, is quite often you think your partner cheated on you with another person because they liked that person. But in truth, they missed a version of themselves that that person allows them to access. And I find that so much more compassionate and relatable. That's actually more about, I miss a version of me. This person gives me that version of me. It's not really about this person. It's true. I mean, it takes two. You really do figure out where your identity is. What I didn't like at that point was marriage because people fuse. And fusion is very bad because once you start losing yourself and engage in someone else's everything and become too dependent. When you have a single identity between the two. Exactly. Then there's a loss of respect. There's expectation. And then a a lot of people actually shift mentally when they feel tied up. Yeah. I always said, if I'm in a cage and I'm a bird and you leave the door open, I'll probably never fly out. Mm. Oh, right. Or if I take a little zip around, I'll probably return to the cage. No, does that mean? I'll yeah, come back. I'll yeah. come back. Yes, yes. If you close the door to the cage, my feathers will be gone and I won't look like a bird anymore and I wouldn't survive. So we have to find out who we are and fly with it. Well, I did think one thing I was listening to, A, and I love this about you, and now we're to the point where I think the yin and yang is really fascinating. And again, I am in a yin and yang. I am very much the Kurt, and she's very much like you. I identify deeply with this oh, yeah? companion. Yes. Of course. I think every dude I meet's going to try to rob my wallet and I'm about to strike. And she <laughs> thinks every dude we meet's going to cure cancer. That's the difference between us. And it materializes everywhere. But you talk so openly about how many things you end up going through over the course to, on Valentine's Day of 41 years. 41. That was our first date. And it could have been our first kiss. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what all happened on that Valentine's yeah. Day. And, uh, uh, 1981, we're back in the, we're back in the 83, 70s yeah. <laughs> or but 80s. I was thinking, and A, I just like that you're so honest about that. There's phases and there's twists and turns and you both are in stages. I was thinking when I was hearing you talk about it, I almost would guess if you guys had gotten married, you actually wouldn't be together now. Probably not. That in some of the phases, you would have had to sever that thing and then coming back together or finding peace would have been a whole other weird thing because it's all been framed differently. Like, I almost can imagine that you wouldn't have made it 41 years if you had gotten married. Ultimately, when you look back on it, I've never asked that question to myself because what I like is waking up in the morning, and I've said this many times, and actually making a choice to be with someone. 
But, you know, as we go in partnerships, there's time when you don't want to be with them. It's normal. And people that say, oh, we are love with the most loving relationship. And everything <laughs> he does is the greatest thing. Yeah. I feel blessed to be yes, with Yes, I'm so day. blessed. And every day. And I'm thinking, <laughs> no, I love you. I know that you're living in a fantasy world now. That's not fair. I mean, certainly people have good relationships. But it's the friction also that makes it interesting. Otherwise, it could be quite boring. So the idea is to be able to establish what you want in your life. I got a wild guy here. Let's be honest about who you picked and who he picked. Yes, I picked him. <laughs> yeah, he's a wild dude. I like dude. that guy. We don't agree on certain things. He was tougher than me as a parent. And, you know, I got, why did you do that? But we have a very, very strong family because of it. That was one of the things that gave us things to talk about. But I think that if we were married, there probably could have been times... When you go, oh, come on, I'm done. Yes. How many times? Yes. I'm because done. you're married and you go like, can I live this way for the rest of my life, which I've already signed up for? No, I don't want to live this exactly. way for the rest of my life. That's why I think it could have potentially ended. It is absolutely possible. The only thing I could say is, is that I met, meet still, a lot of men. Nobody came up to who he is. This is an outside guess. And we interview a lot of powerful women. And there seems to be a pretty common pattern where men are very attracted to the powerful woman. They're dazzled by the powerful woman. And then once they're a partner with the powerful woman, they then want her to now end that. That's true. And so a lot of women who are successful, I have such great sympathy for because they either have to get a fucking golden retriever who's not challenging, isn't rewarding, isn't going to really be a partner building shit that's just going along for the ride or an equal that's going to get jealous of the attention they receive and the money they make. And so unfortunately, I think for women as successful as you, it's such a narrow field of men that's an equal yet is confident enough to let you shine. That's my guess of why Kurt has been in the picture for 41 years. This motherfucker somehow has a confidence right. that he is not threatened by your shine. Right, he's not. There have been times when he would say to me sometimes, you're not a CEO, you're an actor, you're this, you're that. And actually, I said to him, unfortunately, I am a CEO. Yes. Right. Sorry to tell you, but... <laughs> yeah, I gotta break this to you. <laughs> I hate to break the news to you, but you know who I was when you met me. Yeah. yeah. My point is, is that he was trying to help me. You can look at that and say, well, that's an insult. Or you can look at it and say, he's trying to help me feel better about something. You've got a choice of a way to look at it. Right. Now, listen, we could talk all day on relationships, but if anybody's listening and they're with a narcissist, get out. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Now, what do you think is the qualifying factor of that? Because it's not just arrogance or confidence, which sometimes I think gets conflated, conflated with narcissism. Narcissists aren't born. They come out little babies just like everybody yeah. else. They're shaped. If you take an example, like... Um, Morgan uh, Freeman. Trixie. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the star of this show. <laughs> He's our go-to if you don't want to use a real celebrity. <laughs> yeah, no. But the symptoms of narcissism is really weakness. It's a sad story. One of the parent has to be a narcissist, number one. Mm. So they have to be raised by a narcissist, for the most part. I'm not a doctor. It's what I've just read. If they behave in a certain way where they neglect you and then they praise you. Then they neglect you and then they praise you. Mm. In fact, if this is something that you've been told and you're hurt, like I'm going to say somebody that we all know was put out in front of an organization but didn't give the power of dealing with the money or anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's no belief in them. And sometimes when the children are troubled, they throw them out. They don't want them because they're a bad image. They don't reflect you. Yes. you know, And that's really important. So a child basically will take on the traits of the weakness of how that particular parent made them feel. And the only way they can survive is by lying 
is by manipulation, by hurting people, by basically never wanting to be criticized at all. The minute you criticize a narcissist, they go mad. They They're call a victim people names. All of a sudden. They're victims. They say, everybody's doing this to me. Can't say sorry. Can't be vulnerable because they were raised that way. I have a lot of compassion for them, and I've lived with one. It's very, very difficult. It's got to be really confusing, too, because the love bomb's got to be yeah. epic. They're really good at it because yeah. they bring you back. Yes. Right. And then they hit you over the head again. It's very damaging. And men, just keep going on with their disease. And then women are neurotic because they stay yeah. and they Crazy become weaker and weaker and they don't have the ability or they're fearful of leaving. The books that are written, all of them say, not a curable condition. And we have to realize that these are not decisions that are made that are sensible. They're only made to protect themselves. There's no rationality around There's it. no rationale except that it protects them. It's a terrible cycle. Yeah. We love this show called Couples Therapy. Have you seen it? No. With Orna, she's this incredible therapist. In oh New my York. God, I love it's so good. Show. There's it's three great. seasons. We're so addicted. On one season, there is a legitimate narcissist. Wait, which one? The handsome guy who is with the girl. Oh, it's oh wild to watch. Because oh you realize all the things that have been described, or my understanding of narcissists, like everyone's just a prop in their life to confirm this story and image they have of themselves. And when they need that piece of the puzzle, they use it. And when they don't, they don't. Well, it's their supply. Yes. Yeah. And to watch the master manipulation in the trickery as he's speaking and you can see his partner now that Orna's there she can hear it for the first time it's like having a third party present she goes oh right no this is bad shit. This she is nuts, but I'm, I'm usually trapped with him by myself and I start not knowing what reality is. And this third person, I can see on their face, oh, this is nuts. It's so fascinating. Right. It's gaslighting. Did I say that? Yes, you did. And they're generally kind of smart too. It's not like they're not no. good at it, right? Well, they're what's interesting is, is that now we're talking about men being narcissists the most, but women are too. It goes both ways. But ultimately, the women that actually are in these relationships are smart. Very. Right. Because they were attracted to someone smart. And they feel they can fix it. Yes, yes. If anybody's listening to this and we keep this on and yeah. now we're yeah, here, yeah. I would say get strong, love yourself, and get out. Yeah. I smiled for half a second while you were talking two minutes ago, and then I thought you saw it, and it was a weird time to smile, and I want to tell you why I smiled. It just crossed my mind that when I was at your house in Muskoka, Kurt <laughs> told me, and he believes this story, and I think it's so comical, he thinks only you were famous. He thinks that if he wasn't married to you and he was walking around the streets, no one would really know him. But he thinks you were super famous and that if you were out, of course, there'd be attention. But in his mind, you were famous and he wasn't. You know, I got to tell you something. That's what I love about him. That's so funny and adorable. He's interesting that way. You know, you're the show. Yeah. I said, I'm not the show. You're the show. You take over every conversation. <laughs> and you're the show. But he's like me in a way. Because he was raised to play baseball, raised to be a good racer. He was raised to be a good actor, and he went like a little soldier. He's a hard worker, you know, rewriting things, fixing things, making sure they work. We are both the same that way. He probably wishes I wasn't such a hard worker. But, <laughs> right. you know, you can't create a program that's driven seven million children and not have worked hard. Yes. Like, yes, yes. I know, honey, but I'm changing the world. Can't you see? Yeah. <laughs> but what I liked about it is when he was telling that story, there's zero resentment. Like, that's his story, which is a silly story, first of all. I know. It's hilarious. <laughs> and secondly, there was no resentment. Not at all. 
and there was no jealousy. And that's why I think he's the right man for the job, because he has this story that even inflates you, and he's still not threatened by it or resentful of it. Right. You know, he still brings me my coffee in the morning. Mm. He grabbed me the other day, and he kissed me all over my face. <laughs> and I kissed him back. And it's kind of like that. Yeah. So I'm really happy I stayed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> Joking. But, it, no, over time it becomes I mean, its own weird reward. Yeah, relationships, it's like, what are the seas like today? Mm-hmm. Are they rough seas? Are they temperate seas? Red sky at night or red sky in morning? Is exactly. <laughs> are the sailors taking are warning? Are we or is four it- seven? <laughs> <laughs> okay, my last question is kind of just an overarching question. Thinking about you having your first real paid job in like 1964 at the World's Fair. We're looking at 60 years in this business. You've seen a lot of the eras. Fucking Fred Astaire read the envelope that announced your winning of the Academy. I know, she had never seen this. Do you know, she was making a movie in London and she didn't go to the Academy where she won. It It was her first big movie. And she still hadn't seen it, and Kimmel showed you? Kimmel Somehow and I Kimmel? were on our way to do a thing, you know, for one flight. He said to me, did you ever see that? I said, I never did. He said, oh, my God. He said, I'm going to show it to you. So we dug it up, and I saw Fred Astaire, who was my true idol. I wanted to look like Audrey Hepburn, but I didn't want to be her. Right. Yeah. So here we are. He's my idol. He said, Goldie Hawn. I said, oh, he, he said, knows you exist. Hawn. He said my name. And I was in bed. I got a phone call, and they said, you got it. And I said, I got what? <laughs> And they said, well, you won the Academy Award. And I went, oh, my God, I didn't know it was on TV last night. (laughs) And that was it, you know. It was, like, crazy. Yeah. And nobody told me. The only thing is that I did get a telegram from him. From Fred Astaire? Back in the day, the telegrams from Fred Astaire. Oh, Oh, Lordy. But, you know, time is a weird thing. The mind doesn't really know time. It remembers feelings and it remembers things that happen. But, you know, I could say that could have happened yesterday because my body is responding in such a joyful way. I can't explain it, but it happened then. But for me, it happened now again. Which is incredible because obviously feelings are impermanent, but it doesn't mean that they can't recycle. Or come again. That's right. Because the sad part is that they're impermanent. What you would love is to have that warm fuzzy and to hold on to it, but we can't. The good news is some however many years later, you might still get the wave of warm fuzzy. I do. For instance, today I had a phone call at about 8 o'clock this morning. Picked up and it was Murali Duraswamy. He's a scientist at Duke. He's on my board and he's an amazing human. And he was back to Chennai, so he goes home now and then to see his family. And he suddenly called me and I went, why are you calling so early? What's going on? He said, I'm in India. We've just landed in Mumbai. He said, and we're up here on the terrace looking and talking about things. He's an old friend of mine. I haven't seen him for so long. He then just said to me, you know who my favorite actress was? was Goldie Hawn. And he said, you're kidding. We've been working with children and brains. He said, I got to call her right now. (laughs) So I spoke to him. He had a perfectly Indian accent. He was a designer. And it put me back when I was in India so much. It put me back into this warm, wonderful feeling that I had when I was spending more time in India. Right. I mean, I'm telling you, I was there. You were swimming you in it. I was there. So we can do that. People who are feeling sad, depressed, or whatever, go look at some things that bring awe back to you. We will always remember those things. Yeah. And those are permanently beautiful things that you can bring back. It's prescriptive for happiness. Yes, yeah, yes. I like that. <laughs> 
But starting in the 60s, working all the way through the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, slowing down for some period while you're working on Mind Up. Of those eras, which was the most fun? And I have to imagine you feel like this isn't very fun for the new version of this. <laughs> like it had to be more fun in the 80s. Well, it's very subjective. The 80s for me was a lot of fun. I had a house in Ibiza. It was a wild time. My kids were little. I lived in a house that had no electricity or hot water. I was a hippie. I went to the beach every day in one part of my bathing suit, the other when I left home. Uh, <laughs> and my kids had friends. We hung out all day on the beach, and then we had full moon parties, and we drank yerbas, and some people got stoned, and it was just a beautiful time. Well, also, that story in particular, you felt this loss of anonymity, which was hard in becoming the observed instead of the observer. But even in that phase, there were still refuges. There were still private moments. There was still a life you could be having that was really yours. And I think for the Goldie Hawn of today, the Jenna Ortega, whoever that is, there's no reprieve from it. It's the phone and you could always get photographed and someone could be recording and then oh my you're God, posting. You're so right. To me, there's like another dimension now that the already hard thing, now there's zero time away from it. There really is, to tell you the truth. I'm not a pound on social media. I try to do things oftentimes on my little posts where I'm doing something funny you and, uh, you know, bring a little levity to the world. But it is for the kids. I see them with their stuff all the time. Our news, which is penetrating everybody's perspective, which is terrible. You can't get away from it. And it is so different not having a phone. It is so different living during a time where you could go sit, go be, go dream. Get lost. Get bored. Get yeah. lost. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. Exist bike anymore. rides. I mean, we took rides and things in Europe and we were never disturbed with bings or things or clicks or whatever it is on our phone. It's pretty amazing when you think of all those noises and how that sound actually can pollute your mind. Forget just what we look at sometimes. And even when we look at the fun stuff. We get addicted to it. It busies the day. It makes noise in your mind and your brain. There's too many things to process in your mind. This is when we're looking at our children who are neurodivergent. There's so many things that they're processing. It's very hard for them. We're living in a world now that's got bings and tings and things and look at this and you got to see this. It's so great. We live inside of a pinball machine now. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why am I happy when the music is off? Because for me, the symphony of silence... It's like a guru said to me once in India, what color should I pick for this scarf? He said, why don't you pick white? Because that has all the colors in it. And that's how I feel about silence. Silence is its own symphony. Sound of energy, of frequency. And we can listen to that. We can listen to silence. And I think it's extremely important. It's kind of intoxicating too. Monica and I took a trip during COVID with our pod to Sedona. I was shooting there and we rented a couple houses and every night our activity was to lay on the pavement, yeah, the road in front of the house because there was no traffic. Yeah. So the road would be warm and we'd lay on our backs and look at the stars, which are crazy in Sedona. And we would spend two hours and I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I restored my faith. I thought I had been permanently broken and addicted to the stimuli, but that became not only stimulating, but restorative too. It was just like the greatest little hobby we've ever yeah. really had. Silence is golden. Yeah. <laughs> Silence is golden. Golden. Is golden. golden. 
Well, Goldie, listen, you were the last member of the family. No, we have not had Roy, the dog. On. Oh, <laughs> you're right. We got to get Zoe. this fucking show business dog. Got to get in him there. in here. Yeah, time's no, ticking. They have know, a different timeline. <laughs> <laughs> I adore you. This was so fun. Yeah, this was really fun, honey. I was happy to be with you. I, mean, I just got to say, I was a kid obsessed with Chevy Chase, and then I would watch these movies with you and him. And I'd be like, who's Chevy Chase during this movie? <laughs> well, look at this person. So, so cool. So I'm, cool for us. Yeah, I'm so delighted you came down. And I, I adore too, you. I want everyone to check out Mind Up. Get involved if you have kids in school. Suggest this as a curriculum. What's the website for Mind Up? It's mindup.org. And it's the Goldie Hawn Foundation. Monica loves a .org. So this I is very it, yeah. good. It makes it very reputable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like a .org. <laughs> All right, I adore you. Give hugs and kisses to everybody. I will, darling. Okay, okay. thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Stick around for the fact check. Because they're human, they make lots of mistakes. Okay. okay, so we're about to explain that we're in India, but when we first started talking, we just launched into it. Like, you would know why we are in India. Obviously, we have Easter egg, the fact that we were going to India. Yes. But we didn't say why. Yeah. And we are joining Bill Gates in the foundation to go around and look at all the different projects that he's got underway, or rather the foundation has yes. uh, on the ground in India. Yeah, he's working on a lot of different types of projects. They've been here since 97, I think. Yeah, there's a 25th anniversary of the Microsoft development place. Right. Yeah, so we're here. We're here with Bill yeah. and the foundation. And well, we're not with them yet. Just We're not with them yet, but that's yeah. why we're here. Yeah. Um, we couldn't say that until now, but right. now we can. Because and we're home. Yeah, exactly, because we're home now, and we're going to kind of catalog. Should we tell them the funniest part of this whole thing, or maybe the cockiest moment of this whole experience, which is basically they asked, would you be interested in joining Bill? And we were like, oh, my God, of course but as it got closer and we were having more and more conversations with his team about all the logistics, I had the audacity at one point to say, I only want one thing out of this trip selfishly, oh. and that is we must play spades with Bill. Yeah, that's a request. That's the selfish agenda. So yeah. updates on whether that happened or not, but the notion that we might play spades. It's almost and I think we're going to absolutely smash him, by the way. I don't know. That's a big claim. And, and then he's going to respect us. Oh, God. He's going to go, oh, my God, they're so smart. Or he's going to crush and be like, oh, my God, no, why did I what bring these? Say, why did they want to play this game? They're so bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, right. so. Now we're just going to launch in. Yeah. So you're, you're actually going to do a fact check. I was just going to say, like, um. Color commentary, our first few hours on the ground. Well, I want to do that, but I, we also need a fact check. Oh, okay, great. So, <laughs> so um, we're going to, um, maybe on this first one, we'll do both. Yeah, we're on a veranda. Yes, you in, and I are in, in Hyderabad. Mm. Yeah, Hyderabad. Okay, boy, it gives me anxiety. Hyderabad is what I want to say. I know. That's not right. No. no. Um, Lay off. I don't know how my dad would say it exactly, but and it's, we can't get him on the phone because we're in India. And he's on a cruise, oh. so that would be, it would be a lot. <laughs> but we're on Countries. a veranda of a beautiful hotel, and there's already lots of birds. Yeah. This is a really fun and interesting revelation to us. In our life, we've only gone where you go to a new time zone, and it goes forward or backward by an hour. Yep. But here, it went ahead an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And there's probably a reason. Sure. Let me see. This is so interesting. 
So anyways, sunset, or rather sunrise was 6.37 here, and it is 6.37-ish. It's 6.53 okay. as a fact. <laughs> well, I guess we started assembling the, the equipment. Which, shout out to Rob, we've got new microphones and we, we were stumbling a bit. Yeah. We are figuring out how to do this day because it was a <laughs> 15 and a half hour flight to Dubai, mm-hmm. then a layover there, which was a pretty quick layover. Yeah, it was two or... Th- two hours. Two hours. And then... Three and a half hour flight to here. Two and a half. I are think. you sure? I'm pretty sure because I napped and... Well, I- look, we left at quarter to ten. And we got here at quarter to one. But it changed an hour. And we hour gained an hour and, and 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Here's the best way to describe it. We left LA at 3 p.m. on the 23rd, and we landed at roughly 2 a.m. on the 25th. Not 24th, 25th. Exactly. First time I've ever got on a plane and then got off, and it was two calendar days later. It was basically 24 hours. We left at 3 p.m. in L.A., and we landed basically Almost, at 3 yeah. p.m.-ish in L.A. the right. next day. So, And we had yeah. slept. Uh, I did shockingly well. I have a very hard time sleeping more than eight hours in real life on my bed. Yeah. And I accidentally slept nine and a half hours on the flight to Dubai. I was out. Which is amazing. We flew Emirates. Yeah. Um, which was, a, is it was outrageous. an extremely nice airline. I've never flown it before. Have you? I had flown it once to Dubai okay. in 2012 when I went to Africa. Okay. And I had flown business class. And it's why I got a platinum card. I'll never oh. forget. Because if you bought a business class ticket, you got one free if you had a platinum card. Oh. So I was like, oh my God, yeah, whatever it was, $200 a year. Then I got this $10,000 plane ticket. Oh my God, amazing. For free. Oh, anywhere in the world? International, <gasps> not like, not um, domestic. Not Austin, Texas? Not Austin, <laughs> International, Texas. So that's why I got it, yes. And I had flown it and we flew business, which was super duper nice, but there was first and no one was in it. And that had bedroom doors. Right. That had proper, like, apartments, as we were saying. Yes, so we have we have heard lore of the first-class Emirates where, yeah, there's, like, full rooms with showers in the room. Apartments. Yeah. Um, and maybe that does exist. That, I guess, exists. Ours weren't like that, but they were pretty close. It was darn nice. It was yeah. so nice. And it was and one of those... Airbus A380s or whatever. It was the gigantic, like, did you notice when we when we entered, we were, like, on the second story? Mm-mm. It was huge. It was well, one I of those enormous. I saw there were some stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There, Anywho, there was a shower in the in the Toilet. main, like, yeah, but it was so nice. Like, the bathroom was so nice. Yeah. People, um, I guess you signed up to take a shower, uh-huh. but we didn't. No. We decided not to do that. As, as stoked as I was that it had a shower, the notion of showering the plane felt crazy. I agree, and yeah. I didn't bring shower shoes. Who knows? Maybe on the way back, I'll buy some shower do a shoes and do it. Yeah, do some slides. But um, yeah, you and I, we've spent the majority of the last twenty-four hours trying to figure out what our game plan is because we are thirteen and a half hours off of our normal time zone. Yeah, we're so upside down; it's crazy. Yes. Yeah, when we landed, it was 3 a.m. here, and at home, it was 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. And it's, we, we've, we've been- We've concluded. We, we are, well, we want, I want to stay up all day. Yes, I think that's the game plan. And then go to bed at like 7 9. 7 p.m. 9 or 10. Yeah. So that it's really, we're on a real schedule. Right. I mean, we will be having 
some earlier mornings here. The next morning's 8 a.m. Right. Yeah, so yeah. so we need to practice waking up by 6.30 or right. 7 anyway. To do our makeup and our hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, gotta look great. Um, Wait, but real quick about Emirates. I, oh, I yeah, want to yeah, say sorry. something important. Me and you got on and we felt like we were in junior high. We 100%. We looked like we were lost children. Yep. We did Even not look we like we belonged there at no, all. No, 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 no. We um, were walking up and down, peeking in. Yeah, I was in and out of the bathroom. I was making videos. videos of the bathroom, and this flight attendant kind of caught me, mm-hmm. and I was embarrassed, but she goes, oh, the other one's bigger. So I went into that one and made yes. a video to send to Lincoln. Yeah. She watched Dr. Mike. Shout out Dr. Mike on YouTube. His main advertiser is Emirates. So yes. she weirdly Which I want them to awareness. be our main advertiser. Yeah. yeah. Me too, if we get to fly all the time. Yeah. But um, yes, we both felt very much like we were in junior high, which was a very fun feeling. It was fun. It's really fun to feel so excited about something luxurious and to feel like you don't belong. belong. But it was funny when I was sitting there and I was really feeling it. Yeah. I also realized I feel that way often. Oh, okay. Even, But in a, a positive way or a negative way? I think... This time it was so positive, but yeah. I think normally it's negative, specifically in fancy things. Fancy things. Plane flight, like every time I get on a first class flight, even domestic, I feel like people wonder why I'm there. Yeah. Well, I have that too. But yeah. they do wonder why I'm there. Right. For sure. But Unless I they don't see me wonder on, on any other person. Like d- I do. I, do. I stereotype. If I see a dude get on that's got crazy hair and tons of tattoos, I'm like, well, he's not an accountant mm-hmm. and he's not the vice president of something. He is like a, a musician. musician. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or he's an athlete. Or he's right. So I do it too. I guess. And I'll say this really stung us in the butt when we got off in India and we went through customs because yeah. it, it's my opinion. That the guy did not believe we were staying at the hotel we had listed on our <laughs> customs form. And he was like, What's your confirmation number? And I was like, Oh, right. I don't know. I didn't, it didn't, it, there was no box for your confirmation number. Right. And then I didn't, I had put my own phone, phone number. We, we messed up the thing. We yeah. put our phone number and we were supposed to put the phone so number. So he sent of the us away and said, like, Can you figure out the phone number to this hotel you're staying at? Yeah. And then he also was like, What's your, you don't have an employer listed on your visa, I guess. Uh, and I was like, Oh my God, it got so embarrassing. I was like, Well, we have a popular podcast. I know you and panicked. I used the word popular. You did, you yeah. did. You panicked and said popular. <laughs> and I, because I was thinking from his point of view, like, Give me a break. We have a podcast, and that's why we're staying at this nice hotel. He would never, he's going to be like even more skeptical after you popular. said that. <laughs> Like popular, I was gonna keep that a secret, but I'm glad I got it. I'm glad you said it. Yeah, Yeah, he, but and then I said, We're traveling with the Gates Foundation, and (laughs) which was like threw him under the bus. I don't know if we were even allowed to say that. (laughs) We're just like, We're clutching for something legitimate, yeah, exactly. Um, we had no employer, we didn't know our confirmation number, we put the wrong. And uh, yeah. lots of fingerprints, whatever. But I definitely think if I had put on my sweatshirt, which I should have, yeah, I don't think he would have been like... You thought the tattoos. As, I think the tattoos. You also, though, again, so much of it is our projection. You fell out of place. And so when he was asking you things, it was confirming your opinion. Sure. Well, Be- 
Also, we had watched many people go through. I knew the pace at which people were being let through, and ours slowed down dramatically. Annie sent us away. Ish. Well, yeah, because we me- we messed up. Annie had a lot of follow. Well, but it started with you have a confirmation number. Which do you think he asked everyone if they? Maybe had a- I don't know. While he was asking you questions, I was looking, and there was obviously this other American. They were asking. He was there for the same amount of time. <laughs> okay. Okay. And yeah, might have been in my head. Yeah, yeah, because you're a fish out of water here. Well, also the tattoos thing is, you know, at be. home. I I like that. I've said this before. Yeah. I like that people are like this guy doesn't belong here. Mm-hmm. That gives me like a bit of pride. Mm-hmm. But here, no. Here, all of a sudden, I started getting realistic. Like I might end up in the like where they shit you, they check your butt out and stuff. Like how deep will this no. go? And then I thought, oh, this. This has gotten very real in a hurry. Like, I might not be admitted, and I'm going to fuck up the whole trip. You know what? Go ahead. Ding, ding, ding. This is karma. Oh, tell me. This is karma. Okay. So, Anna, me, you, and the girls went to London Uh a couple years ago. And Anna's from Venezuela and moved when she was 18. So, in Venezuela, it's hard to get in and out. And in other places, it's hard to get in and out if you're Venezuelan. Yeah. They won't let you. And so we went through customs and you made a joke in London. And you said, oh, she's not with us. Yeah, as a joke. As a joke. Yeah. And she laughed. But then after she said, that was so scary. Uh, like she's primed to be very scared in that situation. Right, and right, for right. it to possibly go badly. Yeah, she's waiting for it to go wrong. Yeah. yeah. And so now it kind of, you've had a little bit of that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we call that karma here in India. Although I'm reading my book. In fact, the page I read on the airplane while mm-hmm. we were en route was saying that we, that Westerners don't use karma right. What'd they say? That it's not like a tally that benefits you and comes back to you and that that's just kind of a, an obscuring of what it is. Do they, I'm do, not good enough to explain say, what it really okay. is. It's, in fact, they stopped at the up? part that kind of said, in the same way that it's pointed out the, the inaccuracies of how we say like life is suffering. Like that's a really incomplete right. summation of, of Buddhism. Yeah. A lot of these words are translations for words that there isn't a translation for. Mm, so the best right. comp is suffering, but really it more means life is change. Oh, yeah. Life is change, and with change comes discomfort, yeah. and with change comes craving, and which is just summarized into life is suffering. Huh. Well, this says, but this is according to, this is according to WebMD. Oh, wow. Let's see what the Western. Another Western. Okay, but it does say, or should I do Wikipedia? Probably Wikipedia. Okay. The word Carmen, which is probably the full actual word, um, is a concept of action, work, or deed and its effect or consequences. In Indian religions, the term more specifically refers to a principle of cause and effect, often descriptively called the principle of karma, where an individual's intent and actions cause, influence their future effect. Good intent and good deeds contribute to good karma and happier rebirths. Yeah, it's a lot of it's for reincarnation. Yeah, like I think a lot of Westerners use it as like a tally system, like if you've done good. Right. But mostly every time I'm reading karma in this book, it's talking about volition. It's talking about movement and choices and right. effect. Yeah. Kind of like this that, is, I guess. Well, bad intent and bad deeds contribute to bad karma and bad rebirths. Yeah, Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism, and Taoism. Karma in the present affects one's future in the current life 
as well as the nature and quality of future lives. Yeah, it also goes into, like in this book, it goes in depth into breaking out what actions are. Not everything yeah. can even be summed up as negative or positive. No, or, totally. But yeah. it is in effect what goes around comes around, right? Not in a tally, but just right. like what you put out comes back. And so I still just think like it counts. What your actions are going to have effects, I think, is exactly. the most. But effects on you. Like, it's not just like what you put out, you cause negativity. It's that that eventually will come back to you. Right. Which is what happened to you at the (laughs) Visa Place (laughs) at Customs. (laughs) At any rate, this place we're sitting in front of is really possibly beautiful. There's a little fountain. I hope you can hear it. There's birds chirping. There are mosquitoes. We did debate whether or not we were going to take our malaria medicine because we heard it made you nauseous. We yes. were seriously considering skipping it. I know, because we had a friend who just went to Africa and it like really messed with her. And my travel doctor said most people take it <laughs> halfway through the trip and stop. Ugh. So I was kind of like, look, if we're going to take it halfway and stop, I'd rather just not take it. But then we were smart and we said, well, let's just take it. See You're supposed to start two days before you leave anyways. See how we feel. Mm-hmm. We both took it and we both felt fine. So luckily... Like right now, I'm so glad because there's mosquitoes everywhere. We would have been panicking, yes. (laughs) Yes, We would not be outside I already am panicking a tiny bit because when I went to my travel doc, which was different than yours, I bought a a lotion that's bug spray, basically. So it's heavier duty. Yeah. And then also a A spray for your clothes. And you decided (laughs) to scrap that. I decided to skip it because... I had packed and then I realized I had it and I was like, I'm not going to unpack and spray all these clothes, but today I'm regretting it. Right. You wish everything you were wearing had been sprayed. I do. I feel like the pills are going to protect me. Me I'm not too worried about it. They'll protect us from malaria, but they won't protect us from bites. That's true. And I get a lot of bites. Yeah, but I did put the creme all over my arms. Good. Where the aforementioned tattoos are, (laughs) which caused potentially, or maybe not, the problem at Customs. (laughs) <laughs> but we had a lo- we had like an hour long ride from the airport mm-hmm. to the hotel, mm-hmm. which was I don't know how do you ex- like you have a fantasy of going somewhere, and you have a fantasy in your head, and you've just seen things on TV, mm. and to really be there so interesting. How does, yeah, it, you it tell feels me, very and then like I'll tell Twilight Zony. Like how could I? I'll give you an example, and this is not a judgment of good or bad, but. When Nate and I went to Afghanistan on a USO tour, we'd be in helicopters flying over the desert. And I just kept going like, could I really possibly be here in this helicopter in this war zone? Like it does. I don't know if I really let my imagination take me to some of the places I've gotten to go. And certainly like flying in a military helicopter with a bulletproof vest on and flying around a compound where the guys are shooting at the. I just kept looking at Nate like. Could we possibly really Like we're in a movie. Be? Yes. Yeah. And so very much the ride, I was like, yeah, it's going to take me felt. like time to really comprehend that we're here. It is truly so different. So different. Yeah. I'm so happy we're here. I, I was very, I was anxious leading yeah. up to this trip, but I'm very happy we're here. I feel like it's going to be really, it's going to be really fun for us. And I think it's going to be very good for me Uh huh. and good for processing 
a lot of things. We were at the airport and I, I said to you, everyone's my dad here. Yep. Everyone <laughs> looks like my dad. Yeah. And there's all these Indian I couldn't babies. Say that, but you, you, I just want to be clear. I didn't say everyone looks I like I said you. it. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't I, everyone I, looks like my dad. I know that. But everyone is my dad. Like my dad could have been one of these people in this airport. Yep. It's just very, it's surreal. Like it's a very bizarre feeling. And then I have so much gratitude that that they left, but I also have a ton of respect that they're from here. I don't know. It's very. It's a lot. It's going to be a lot for me to wade to through. Process. I think. Yeah. And we talked about this before on a fact check. I think, but I I'm flagging for myself that. I think I'll feel, def- I feel defensive. Like I yeah. feel defensive. I've picked up a tiny bit of that. Yeah, I'm gonna. Like, yeah. that's- like I wanted to point things out as we were driving in the car. Mm-hmm. And I just, found, I thought I gotta maybe be careful. My observations weren't to say like, it's crummy here or something. Just like, oh, I'm just noticing all the different things that are different. Yeah. The three-wheeler tick-ticks or whatever those are called that are driving around. People on motorcycles, they're all going like 10 miles an hour down the road. That was so interesting. There's dogs everywhere. There are dogs everywhere. I I said that. Yeah. And it's just, it's also changing very dramatically, like from the airport to where, you know, one mile out. The roads are really changing dramatically and the whole thing. I'm nervous when I'm pointing out things that are different. You think I'm pointing out things that are bad or negative. Mm, yeah, I would fear that. Yeah. <laughs> I would fear that. And I'm, I don't want to do that. And then I also want you to, which I think you do, but like recognize any time it's like, oh, that's weird, which you're, you're going to say and you should say, and that's yeah, part of this experience is like seeing the differences, but hearing like, oh, that's and I, weird. And, and I crave weird. Like I want to. I know, to, but like weird, like it it's, that's, sounds like that's a so triggering for me. Because yeah. if someone came into my house and there was a, you know, a little Krishna, uh-huh. what's that? That's weird. Right, right, And it right, is right. weird to them, but that's my whole that's my family. That's my identity. Uh-huh. That's my history. Like, it's very triggering <laughs> yes, yes. to hear it. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's and interesting. And for me, it's my, it's why I want to travel. It's like yeah. the actual reason I desire to leave where I'm from so I can see things that are different. Yes. And see how people live differently. Yeah. And, like, that's the appeal of it. I I'd get- be bummed if things didn't look weird to me here. But weird is is different than different, right? Right. So you're right. I could go like, oh, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'll do. Yeah. I'll, yeah. But weird for me is not bad. In fact, weird's probably good. But weird for me growing up is bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. associated yeah. with yeah. This. When little kids say weird, I think yeah, generally it means they're, they're <laughs> grossed out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, this will be very, very Can I talk about the atmosphere, though? Right when we got off the plane, it hit me right away. The humidity. Mm -hmm. But it was 3 a.m. and it was 70 degrees. It was so breezy. I almost said weird. We took a very different mode of transportation from the gates of the hotel up to the hotel itself, which was a horse-drawn carriage that at night is converted to electric and there's no horses. But in the day, there's horses. Exactly. And I was like, look at us. We're in a 1906 buggy right now that's electric. I know. Oh, my God. It's so fantastic. It is. (laughs) And I made this observation to you in the car because we drove through really intense poverty already. Yep. We've yeah, yeah. already seen it. Yep. 
and we're at this opulent hotel that's uh-huh. here to draw obviously outsiders well in. let's be also let's acknowledge the area we're in is the silicon valley of india hyderabad right so it's like this yeah they have an infrastructure to support the wealth that's been uh-huh. generated out of all this there's like abject poverty and then opulence and my mom always ha- says that about india like right. it's, it's that's a pretty such stark a disparity and it is interesting because america normally or like historically doesn't have this but we're becoming increasingly yeah, yeah. it's it getting incre- and especially in la where we can see it more and more and i don't know it's like an interesting juxtaposition mm-hmm. to see it happening in a place where people leave to escape it Here's a tricky question. I kind of wanted to ask you in the car, but I I was um, nervous too, but now we're being recorded, so. (laughs) What is, I hope is clear to you is I don't have pity for anyone. Like, I don't look at that and have pity. I look at that and go like, yeah, that's another way to live on planet Earth. It's just different from mine. I don't know the experience. I don't know if they feel less than or they Mm -hmm. feel poor or anything. My assumption is, I, I don't know one way or another, and I really doesn't even lean towards that I think they're bummed. Like, I don't have well, you pity might, in my yeah. heart for anyone here. Unless they told me I'm suffering and I hate this. Yeah. I, I almost think there's, that's like the naive realism concept in, I hate to say it, anthro, which is like, Westerners will be like, well, of course these people in Africa want a microwave and a refrigerator. And yeah. There's just this assumption that people would want what we, what have. we have. yeah. And I, I don't have that assumption. Right. If they tell me that, then I, I, I'll believe them. Totally. But I don't, I'm not looking around thinking like, oh, man, I can say I don't want to live in that house. But I don't, I don't presume that they don't or that I feel bad for them. I, I don't, I don't feel bad. It's layered, though. It's layered. Because... I agree with you. There's a piece of white saviors that like yeah, yeah, come yeah. in and it's like, yeah, here's our microwave. It's, I know you oh, want this. Oh, it's so depressing. <laughs> right. The, the way people. I'm like, everyone I, we pass riding motorcycles, two up. Everyone's riding two on a motorcycle, which I love. Yeah. No one has helmets. Guys are texting. Everyone was happy. They Like are, no one was, everyone was like smiling on their motorcycles. But it's, there's realities to poverty. They don't lead to long lifespans and education is limited. You know, there's all these parts that it's just objectively true are limiting to people who are extremely poor. Right. I mean, there's no, especially in a, in a country like this. This is going to sound like a cop-out, but I'm being sincere. So yeah, maybe there's like, maybe you don't go to school, maybe you don't get educated, but I would need the, the pie chart of like depression, anxiety, and suicide rate among young kids in America where they're having all the shit and right here where they don't have the shit. I'm not sure that I know which way that goes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Well, but my I, hunch is the yeah. suffering with all the bullshit we have might be as high or higher. Well, yeah. I, mean, I don't I, know that it really equals the thing where we've convinced ourselves it equals. So, yeah, maybe they don't go to school. Maybe they don't have as many opportunities. I don't know. But maybe they have, like, three friends like Aaron Weekly and they're having a blast. I, don't, I just don't know. I'm not willing to. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be on a lot. We're gonna we're see gonna a lot. We're gonna learn actually. Yeah. Exactly. And we happen to be with the person who literally has studied this yeah. the most and maybe would know like well no. Here's what they care about. They do want clean water or they do want exactly. good sanitation. They don't want to die do, of diarrhea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, I don't maybe he doesn't even have a, a desire for anyone. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I definitely don't think his goal is to make it Western. Right. I think it's to prevent early mortality. Yeah. 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 And I think provide opportunities within the country, mm-hmm. not to then come to America. It's yeah. just like have education here and build. Um, which it it has changed like a lot. There's a lot of people who would have like in my dad's generation left to come to America, mm-hmm. who like you know get educated and leave, and now they stay. Right. Anyway, the weather's awesome. Yes, I love it. Like, the Indus Valley, like civilization, three thousand years yeah, BC. Like, I know. People have been in cities. For 5,000 years here. Yeah, like we... Like our country's 400 years old. So... <laughs> Versus 5,000 years. I just feel like I, I can feel it. Yeah. We're like new and and I include myself in this. I am American, but like we're new and young and like arrogant. Sure. <laughs> and, and and these countries are... So, even like Europe to us, norm, like that we're always like, oh, oh Europe's old so old. And mm. it is, but then you're here and there's this... We're in this palace that's like... I don't know how old. This palace is 13,000 years old. Wow. <laughs> it's before Hammurabi. Wowie wow. Uh, okay, should I do some Goldie fans? Sure. Good morning. Oh, there's some whiteies coming in. There's some whiteies, is that what we said? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Boy, they look like um, colonists, don't they? they the, the hat. To God, they <laughs> literally like do. like they've been dressed. They literally <laughs> do. I mean, he looks like a cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so she talks about, well, and this is a ding, 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 because we're having tea right now. Yeah. I'm going to have so much tea here. Yeah, you've already had six or seven cups. <laughs> I've had two French presses. Yeah. Um, she had chamomile tea during our recording, and she said there are a lot of health benefits. Mm. So. Here we go. Seven of them are. May help you sleep better. Huh. May improve cancer-related health complications. Okay. May promote digestive health may reduce diabetes-related health complications, may promote heart health, may improve symptoms of depression, may ease menstrual symptoms. This is a big umbrella of benefits. <laughs> I know. That's from eatingwell.com. So almost every chronic condition we have. Why don't I look at medical news today? That feels a little... A little more... Okay, menstrual st- symptoms is on this one. Okay, diabetes and blood sugar. It can lower... Osteoporosis, inflammation, cancer. It says some studies suggest that chamomile tea may target cancer cells or even prevent those cells from developing in the first place. Huh. Sounds like a big claim, but I'll... Yeah. But it's on both of the lists. Okay. Sleep and relaxation. That one we know. Cold symptoms. Mild skin conditions. Mm. All right. That's that. Drink your chamomile tea. Drink it up. Okay, so she was talking about... Jumping in what she thought maybe was the North Sea. Oh, right. And... Yeah, what are the fjords off of? Yeah. The North Sea? The North Sea... Again, it's in that Frozen song. What are is. the North Sea? The North Sea lies between Great Britain, Denmark, Norway, Germany, the Netherlands, Belgium, and France. So, I think it's off the Baltic Sea. Oh, okay. And... The Gulf of Bothnia is the big body of water between Sweden and Finland. Okay, that. So I might bet be she was jumping is. into the Gulf of. That makes sense. Um, you know what I did? I just went to my Google Maps and I zoomed out. But the the Baltic Sea dumps into the North Sea, so who knows where? If she was in Norway, it would have been the North Sea. 
And then the North Sea becomes the Norwegian Sea. Okay, she talked about the Greek mythology around spring and summer. Yeah. Is about Persephone and... Being jealous of her daughter. Right. So... I'm glad she flared up and got so pissed. And action. I'm going to keep it a little closer to sight. Okay, good. I had put it on the ground and we had a little interruption. Our, Our... our unit died. Yeah, so yeah. we're back at it. Okay. Round two. Round two. <laughs> but most Persephone. of it stayed. We just missed me explaining the spring and summer, which I'll do now. Okay, great. This is from Hellenic.org, Hellenic Studies, studies liberal, liberal Arts, arts Education. education. <laughs> <laughs> the first day of spring, also known as the equinox, is a time of growth and rebirth. In ancient Greece, mythologies were developed to explain why things in the world occurred. The myth of the abduction of Persephone by Hades explained the seasons. To the ancient Greeks, spring and summer signified the six months when Persephone returned from the underworld and her mother made the earth bloom and grow bountiful after her absence. When Persephone left the company of the gods and returned to the underworld, her mother's loss was expressed in the bareness of autumn and winter. Mm. So... There's more, but it's essentially... She was very upset and mourning. She was mourning her daughter's abduction. Yes. And then she went to Zeus, and Zeus said, no, Hades is actually... He's a a cat. Yeah. And she was like, fuck that. You have Stockholm Syndrome. Mm -hmm. He's a bad boy. He's a bad boy. A baddie. So then she walked as a mortal and... um, Can we say someone's sleeping with the kind of broom that, like, with real... Palm fronds. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. That's a made broom. Yes. Not a manufactured. No, no. This is a one-off. But it's this working is bespoke. great. It's working better than when I use a yeah, broom. Yeah, the one yeah. I use from Anthropology. So it doesn't <laughs> work that well. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Anthropology. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. It really took me a second. It's shocking I don't shop there more. I know. Well, they don't really have men. Oh, but I should be goods. cruising around there. You should pop yeah. yourself in there. So that was that on, on that. And then we were talking about Roy. Oh, you got a bug. I just a got bite. a malaria oh, mosquito. I killed it before it could give us malaria. Oh, thank God. Um, it might be because some of your skin's showing. We should maybe put oh, some on there. Oh, and I didn't your, put any on my yeah, legs because I thought I'd, my long pants would cover it. But then I'm sitting with. They're exposed. Very effeminately. And <laughs> The last thing Do you think there's Roy men the who want to sit, cross their legs like this, but they think it's not masculine enough? Um, and then yeah. they have to go like this, put yes, their knee on their that's very common. ankle. I'm glad I'm not... Um, Hung uh, up on that? Uh, yes, yes. Because yeah. it's so much more comfortable the way the yeah, ladies do this it. is hurting your knees if you put your... It's not ergonomic. No. If you put your ankle on your knee, how some men do it, Yeah. it's not comfy. Although I did used to notice that Matt Damon would sit like that a lot. Well, he's very masculine. He is. Boston. Maybe as he's gotten older, he, may, he maybe crosses it more. I hope so. Yeah. Because that will hurt his knees. Um, okay, Roy the dog. Very cute dog. We watched the commercial. Everyone should watch that commercial again because it's very cute. Very cute. What a natural. Yeah. Not shocking. Oh. Where does it end? <laughs> I really a bird. Don't I don't know. I guess know. grandkids. They all have all these grandkids. I know. I wonder. Busting onto the scene here in a second. I wonder. Yeah. We'll see. TBD. So that's pretty much it. I mean, we're going to be following our time here. Yes. Updating Stay from tuned. India. The, I got to say, we got to acknowledge it. This is the moment we had when we were about to fly out. Is We were standing in line at the airport. Yeah. And I said, oh. look at this bizarre turn of events. If I told you eight years ago, like, you know, we're going to be 
Bill Gates guests in India. It's inconceivable. It's really, it's really it inconceivable. Really I agree. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. Thank you for this oh, opportunity. Oh, thank you. Oh, my God. The places this thing has taken. Oh, us. so special. And really so only because Armchair is listening. Yeah, yeah, thank you for listening, guys. Yeah, sincerely. We really appreciate a, you. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, stay tuned. We'll be back. We will be back with more updates. Love live you. from India. <laughs> Bye. Bye.